welcome to Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. Take it away, Ryan Gray. North-South Connection, we are back with episode 5 of Clotheslines and Headlines. You know, Rocco's on vacation, he's hitting up the Jersey Shore, he's on the top of Roop Bar, probably, hopefully not doing ecstasy, but, you know, really doing his thing, Rocco things, whatever that is. So we called in the heavy hitters. There's only one man that could replace Marco. Marco, Marco, <laughs> Rocco, I'm combining the names here. And uh, that man is Marcus Fuller. Marcus, what's going on, man? You, you ready to fill those little shoes of, of Rocco? Uh, I'm ready to step into the shoes, ready to make the hot tag for Rocco as he's off on vacation uh, enjoy enjoy doing some sinning or whatever comes your way. Um, I'm going to hold it down for you and hopefully not burn it to the ground uh, for when you return. Now, you think Rocco is a like a fist pumper? I think he's at the Jersey Shore. You're like a fist pump your face kind of guy? Um, you know, I can see it. I can I can see it. At first, I was thinking no, but uh, on second thought, I can definitely see him uh, doing some fist pumping, beating up the beat. Probably like a Long Island iced tea kind of guy, you know. It's a it's a it's a weeknight Long Island iced tea, you know. Just kind of get like one of those type of things, and then those things would catch up on him for sure. Rossi, assumption of Rocco, true? You think? Yeah, I mean, I, I could see him getting a little wild after a couple mocktails for sure. You know, maybe do some headbanging. I could see him doing some karaoke at some dive bar down there for sure. Maybe rip into something um, that you know he misses his band or something. Um, I don't know. Or turning a dive bar into a karaoke bar. That's something I could definitely see him doing. Yeah, and I, maybe he does like the Shawn Michaels theme for karaoke. Even if they don't have it, he like gets them to play it over the loudspeaker. And, it, and his wife does the Jimmy Hart thing, and he, it's like a whole routine. And he's, yeah, I, got, I, got, I can see this. But anyways, Rocco, we miss you. Enough of your bullshit. Now, something that really wasn't bullshit and something that I, I particularly enjoyed myself. It wasn't a home run, but overall, I thought SummerSlam was an overall success, you know. Rossi, what was some of your pros and cons coming out of that show? So I liked it. I mean, I didn't really get to watch all of it live. Um, I was actually on vacation myself, but um, uh, kids kept us awake and kept me and the wife from going out that night. So I ended up watching more of it than I expected. Um, I missed uh, some of the shit in the middle, um, but I caught like the open, not even not even the opener, but the Brock stuff and like bits and pieces of like Logan Paul and stuff in the middle. Um, but then I went back and listened and watched it all after I already knew the result, which took a little bit of the energy away from me, but I got to see Brock Reigns live, which was ultimately the most important. Um, I thought that first and foremost, they did a fucking incredible job making that stadium look like it had 70,000 people in it. Even though we know it only had 40, the way they shot that, you never knew that one side of the stadium was completely empty. Um, and I, I commend WWE for that. And that kind of was proof that the stadium method that they're shooting for is not a bad idea because they are good enough to, you know, hide the holes in that crowd that you never even know that it's there. Um, that was the part that stood out the most for me is first of all, it was 40,000 paid legit. Obviously they juiced the number up a little bit. Um, but that was a damn good crowd for SummerSlam. And, um, I love watching these stadium shows. They just feel bigger, you know? Yeah, they're pretty cool. Now, Marcus, you didn't watch it live either. Did you have the same sentiment, but or did you kind of stay spoiler free? Uh, yeah, I was out making town, so I had to wait till Sunday morning uh, on the drive back to try to do some uh, <clears throat> driving and watching at the same time. Um, ended up not crashing the car. 
Plus got to get, watch a good portion of SummerSlam and then put it on the big TV when I got home. Um, I was thoroughly impressed. I thought the look of the venue was awesome. Um, it exceeded my expectations. I really loved just the simple entrance. Um, mm-hmm. There was no big stage. There was, wasn't was a ton of like LED boards or anything like that. I thought it was a very simplistic setup. It gave me like an old school feel um, and, and added a, a sort of like old school charm to the show. Uh, along with along with being outdoors, so uh, I'm always a sucker for a good outdoor stadium show. No, I, I just thought as a whole, uh, I thought the show. It's hard to say over delivered for a SummerSlam, which is a, a tentpole event for WWE, but uh, it really did over deliver. Um, I think top to bottom, you know, I think you could nitpick definitely. Uh, there's a couple matches you know I didn't care for, maybe went a little too long. Um, but I mean, as a whole, uh, I would give it a you know, two thumbs way up. Yeah, very cool. Um, I love that WrestleMania 8 vibe with the end. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they did that last year in, in Vegas, too. So that's that was pretty cool to kind of stay on that. And like Rossi said, staying in, staying in those stadiums without the big WrestleMania, that's the right approach to do that with the small entrance and the, uh, you know, the long walkways and the whatever. But Overall, yeah, I thought it was very, very good. Eh, very good is reaching because you can nitpick. But overall, I, I was, I felt satisfied at the end of watching it. The last match was a total spectacle. The opener was very under the radar too, a little overshadowed by Logan Paul and the Miz. You know, I would consider the first match like better than the Logan Paul match, but the Miz and the Logan Paul match was so impressive, especially Logan Paul. You know, he comes out. The motto says, "No one boos him." <laughs> I mean, everyone boos him. No one or doesn't react and he's so he's in a rough spot absolutely you know he should be a heel whatever and he just comes out and just wins with us his athleticism and his in-ring charisma which is natural because it's his second match which is kind of crazy so and again the Miz is a pro to put that together really and I guess I guess tiny balls are sticking around. That shit's kind of over in a weird way. And it's so stupid and it's so cringy, but I don't know, man, you read these live reports and these people are chanting it in Cleveland in the parking lot leading into the show. I, I think I saw, listened to on Keller from an online resource that p- people were chanting tiny balls on their way into the arena. And that's Cleveland, his hometown or whatever, but tiny balls is, is, is kind of here to stay. And it's kind of sticking to a leg if you get what I mean. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. Overall, I'm happy with it, but then again, you have the debacle that we'll get into a little bit later of the Ronda live stuff, and that was definitely a stain. But if you're gonna, it was, you know, placed perfectly where you know you have that letdown right before the big spectacle of the main event. Usos, Street Profits, they had a big shoes to fill. Jarrett was super fun. He was more fun the night after, but was, <laughs> you know he was fun in that role. It didn't really matter, but it was. I really like the Street Profits entrance with the cheerleaders and everything. Made them feel big. I love the design, the uh, the hometown design, what they kind of low key been doing for a while with the hometown logo on their stuff. And then the Usos are just stars. But you know, for for a match to be three and a half stars and be somewhat overall disappointing, it just shows how high the bar are and how talented those teams two teams are. Overall, the theory stuff was perfect. We kind of ex- expected that. And um, I don't really think what else am I leaving out? Or oh, McAfee was a little disappointed too. I feel like the the humidity with the ropes and then kind of Corbin's overall size is kind of a thing. Maybe you could test that too, Marcus. Is someone super green like McAfee lying on big spots and Corbin being so big? You th- you know 
I kind of thought that might be a, the, a weird vibe, but do you think that was kind of it or it's just kind of bad timing? You know, wasn't really maybe McAfee wasn't really feeling the energy that he felt at WrestleMania with the with the entrance change. And then what do you think there, Marcus? It could have been the entrance change. Um, Changing yeah, his old vibe, kind of. The poor man's version of a Seven Nation Army isn't getting it done for me. But yeah, was- uh, yeah it definitely could have been the humidity. Um you know, it just it, it's live. Uh, it's just an element of live. And, um, you know, Corbin is a big boy. Um, but I, I thoroughly did enjoy uh, what they did, even if it wasn't the cleanest. Um, yeah. It gave it a, 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 f- a element of a fight um, that I think some of the other matches were missing. Whereas like Logan Paul and Miz, uh, what they did was so clean. It felt a little too clean for me. So like if I had my choice, I would watch McAfee Corbin over that. Yeah. Um, and just than, just yeah. the, the pure athleticism of Pat McAfee, like you can say, oh, he's a you know punter Pat, you know, all he ever did was, uh, you know, kick a ball. But uh, it still takes some athleticism to do that. And, uh, you know, he's an athlete in high school and college. And so you can see that athleticism being able to uh, have that body control and save himself uh, from some. Uh, you know, what could have been some pretty big uh, incidents. Uh, and he was able to save himself and, and execute the move safely as well. Now, we won't hit Pat again on this podcast, but the whole change of demeanor with him, even you, what else are you going to tweak? Because, you know, Triple H is tweaking this whole process. You know, we'll get into it a little bit. Tweak, Triple H is putting his little tweaks on everything. But even a little tweak where he's playing catch with Ricochet and then signing the ball and then punting it in the stands. That's like as a memorabilia collector in a way. That's like badass. That's some, <laughs> that's some cool ass stuff. That's a really nice twist to an alive event. It's a cool twist for Ricochet, and it's really cool for Pat too. I thought I just wanted to add that because this is kind of the only time we'll talk about McAfee. And I thought that's really cool, and that's like a small little thing that Triple H. I assume Triple H gave the okay to add since it's like the first time they did it since he's in charge. That even the stuff, even something small like that, is so so super cool and special. Yeah, they're doing a good job of making McAfee more than just a commentator. Uh, even though he is a commentator, he's quickly falling in line behind a Jesse Ventura or behind a, a Bobby Heenan um, where they're much more a personality more than they are just a commentator. Um, so I think those little things are definitely adding to McAfee's overall effect on the show. Great point to compare them to those two guys. All right. Now we got the spectacle. We got the big main event. I would say universally approved, a universally loved with, you know, obviously some naysayers, of course, as it would be. And I can see why those naysayers would have that objective um, approach to it, whatever. But, man, did it deliver with no real hyper excitement besides two super, you know, all time stars in there living up to whatever. But this is their ninth bout and no one really wanted to see the eighth one or the sixth one. You know what I mean? So we've been there, done that with these two. But. If this is the nail in the coffin, I would say this is the hell of a way to go out. Now, this isn't really a this wasn't your necessary traditional big pay-per-view stadium show made event, but man, the action was fucking awesome despite the tractor. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, Marcus, as a big hoss boy yourself, man, could you appreciate some of the shots they were laying in there? And I I personally think that Roman Reigns was super super good in this match. Just his whole body language, the selling. Because the, the these 10 counts can get monotonous, but these guys, they didn't feel it. They were throwing haymakers, and they're just so good with the in-between stuff as wrestlers that it just clicked, and it was the perfect recipe. What do you think, Marcus? Yeah, the big boys, uh, they definitely brought the beef. 
uh, in the main event, I mean, they were they were swinging for the fences. They were laying it in. Uh, all their stuff looked good. There was a different element of um, danger, and I think there's a different element just bomb throwing. Um, you know, there was this element, uh, this air uh, in the building that night. Just watching it, um, you could tell like, okay, the, these are the two dudes. These are these are the two big bads. Um, you know they're they're playing on a different field than everybody else that we've seen tonight, and that's not a not a knock on any of the roster. It's just these are the clear one um, A and one B of the promotion. Yeah, they and, just uh, feel huge. Yeah, and I'm always down for some Brock and for uh, some Brock and Roman. You know, even even sometimes it's been better than other times. Um, I thought uh, they went out there and they had a a different match uh, with different elements. And for me, this is uh, my hot take. I think that has to be the last, last man standing match the company ever does. <laughs> there ain't no coming back from that. In a There's way. no coming back from it. How, how can you even begin to touch that? Yeah. Uh, Rossi, what do you think with that? Yeah. I mean, Last Man Standing's always been a staple of WWE uh, because they really have always pieced those together well, and they've found a way over the years to not really ever make the Last Man Standings feel the same, other than the finish. Like I, you kind of knew that that match, the way it was going, was going to finish with like a pile of shit on top of Brock, right? Uh, that's the only way you're going to hold that guy down, and that's the that's the only part of the match that really disappointed me but at the same time it didn't disappoint me because i didn't want him to you know just lay in his ass for 10 seconds you know i wanted to make it look like i said a few times during this match he looked like frankenstein um to from really from the the opening bell i mean he looked like you were going to literally have to kill him to put that match over um reigns like you said reigns was awesome the reselling was top-notch uh brock almost literally killed the usos each one at a time uh, just re- the adrenaline was really pumping by the time they came out there and he was really just overly anxious with those guys, I would say. And when you're flinging reins around, those Usos must feel like toothpicks. But, um, the one thing I definitely want to say about this match before I forget about it is this was the first match that I watched that I knew that Vince McMahon wasn't in Michael Cole's ear. Yeah. Um, and then as I listened to some of the other matches, there were other parts of it that that stu- stuck out throughout the night that, you know, he didn't Cole sounded like he was having the most fun of his life during this match. And like saying things like stay down or count faster, that that's stuff that you wouldn't have been able to say with Vince in his ear. And I thought Michael Cole really shined in this moment. And there was times in the show that I missed McAfee being on the announce booth. Um, where that's where I was kind of like, all right, this guy's either going to wrestle like late in the show so we can have him in the beginning of the show or vice versa. But I definitely missed him at times. But during the main event, I really thought him and Graves knocked it out of the park and they really kind of hit all the aspects of what was going on and, and made that car crash of a match really go to the next level. Um, and it really did. Like I said, some of the things Cole was saying, he never says with Vince there. So um, was that was the, the part of the match that really stood out to me at the end of it um, and got me so excited for like what the future was going to hold. Because as you're watching that show, obviously the Bailey influence and everything there, like that felt like Triple H. 
But the vast majority of the show seemed like stuff that was in the can before Vince was gone, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the first time during the show I was like, wow, Vince really is fucking gone, you know? Uh, and I, it just kind of made me more excited to watch Raw the following Monday and kind of see where they would go with that. And and I feel like they've been hitting home runs left and right ever since. So um, I kind of agree that it's going to be tough to top this as a last man standing match goes. Um, but I'm sure that as long as it makes sense and they do it again and it's not like come watch the premium live event last man standing this Sunday, then it'll be something that, you know, they probably will come back to, but it shouldn't be for quite a while. I completely agree with you there, Marcus. Morgatory, that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of Triple H, man, the guy's on a roll. Optimism. Up and down the IWC, up and down every chat you're in, up and down, um, you know, universal praise again. Again, another universal word, praise, which is kind of crazy. Um, this product as a whole really hasn't been as bad as it has in parts the last few, let's call it a year. It's been pretty decent for the last year in, you know, compared to other pockets of years and times that they've had. So, Leading into the Triple H era, there's been some decent momentum regardless. So for him to kind of take what's going on and kind of sprinkle his Triple H dust on it, it's it's really a good spot for him to kind of do so. And of course, he's going to have his bumps in the roads. Of course, he's going to have his misses. You know, he's he's brought back five people in about two weeks. We'll get into that in a second. But and I don't know if you know three of them would be people I would pick or whatever. But they're Triple H people, and Triple H is going to go out there and rock with it. But overall, here are some things that I've kind of noticed on the product for the last three weeks or so that he's been around. Um, good, better matches. If you look at a Raw, especially that one after WrestleMania, you know, I know star ratings are you know, shorthand or whatever, and they're eye-rolling, but man, a lot of that stuff, I don't think he really had one, under, there wasn't a match under three, and there wasn't really, um, you know, it was pretty, pretty cool, you know, it very, you know, very, uh, it was very, it felt fresh, you know what I mean, so it, that's cool, uh, the, in those, in those star rating matches, the, the flow of the show, too, has been steady, it feels like we're constantly on the highway going at 75, and no one's in our lane, man. There's no one we'd have to move around. There's no grandpa in the left lane. There's no cops in sight, man. We can go 75, and 75 is a really good pace. And it feels like these shows have been that way. Um, the character development has been really strong. Um, even, you know, guys like Theory and Riddle, who have made event potential, have taken back seats. And I would like to see how they return. You know what I mean? For instance. But for instance, guys like Almost. He's been kind of on the back burner, but hey, let's not forget about almost. Let's go up and have him go out there and do a Ryback squash. Uh, guys like Drew, um, putting a spotlight on him the night before the Rumble, so he can go uh, the night before SummerSlam, so he can go out there and deliver a really memorable, awesome promo in front of forty-five thousand people or whatever, and redirect his character and refocus it for the biggest match of his career or the biggest match in a long time for Drew. Uh, and that's just a few. I'm sure you guys. I want to hear your guys' few too on that. Um, fresh matchups. We're not, you know look at guard. Look at the Champa stuff. You know he didn't have a contenders match against Bobby Lashley and face him the next week. He he went through a gauntlet. Uh, they made the U.S. title feel perfect. We'll get to that later in the show. But that's just fresh. An example of fresh matchups going on. Um, what else we got here? More focus on 
developing depth throughout the card. Again, Champa, for instance, Bailey's return with adding the t- uh, rem- uh, bringing the tag team division back. It's just constant, constant depth in long-term building. So, what do you guys think about those observations that I kind of jotted down? And any and Rossi, can you add any more that you've saw since? Sure. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like there's more. Um like less scripting and promos. I feel like they're letting these guys get away with a little bit more. Like some of the stuff Rollins was saying on this, on this past Monday, like they, I don't think that was getting by Vince. Um, almost sounded like he wanted to actually like watch Riddle die, um, which just had like a different energy to it. Um, yeah. And not only that, but I feel like the in-ring has had a lot more liberty to it as well. Um, I'm watching EO Sky and Dakota Kai against Tamina and um, Dana Brooke. And I'm like, wow, Tamina looks good in this match. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that that's a testament to who her opponents are, but it didn't feel like she had like that same canned offense. And she was able to kind of look like she was out there, like improvising and doing things that, you know, wasn't, you know, practiced a hundred times. It felt like they were calling a lot more spots in the ring. And I even noticed that a few times, like in the Champa Lashley match um, and the styles Miz match. Like I felt like they were, not as you know repetitive a match as you might have seen from these guys in the past. They were kind of doing some different spots. Um, and what I really say that, like, after the cross return last week, and then obviously the factor in Cleveland, I had myself hyped up on the fact that maybe we would have got a Gargano return or something along those lines. But what I really liked about this week's show is you had to keep watching it because there was weird shit that was going on backstage all night. Um, the, the, I don't know if, if, you know, it was noticed by everybody, but there was, um, a Kevin Owens promo in the back, which another great return, by the way, he looked like a vicious animal. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dewdrop and Nikki ASH, Nikki ASH is full on Cape trying to check on Dewdrop, who looks like he just got into a car accident, which is something that's going on in the background to Kevin Owens promo and nobody's mentioning it. Like it's not happening. And I was talking to a friend in a text then, and they were like, wow, they fucked that up. And I was like, I don't think they did. I think that that was there for a reason. And I feel like we might find out more about that this week or next week. Maybe that's a that's a vehicle to get Dewdrop and ASH out of the tournament and replaced by somebody. Who knows? Um, but then they cut a promo with Dewdrop later, and she seems fine. So then it's like, all right, so they kind of – maybe it was a fuck up, and they forget about it. And then – 20 minutes later, they have another backstage segment with the girls um, and you see the car getting loaded up on a tow truck. And then next thing you know, there's five security guards that go sprinting past the scene and the girls that are in the shot, like almost look like, all right, what the hell's going on? Um, so then you fast forward and at the end of the match, like raw, the match ends at 10:57, and you're like, all right. What's going on in this? They have three minutes. They never they never blow these three minutes on a Raw, maybe on a SmackDown. But Styles is celebrating, and, and I see out of the corner of my eye the commotion in the corner of the ring, and those security guards are now holding a guy down. And I'm like, okay, they're showing this. This is part of the show. And then they pull it up, and it's Dexter Loomis. And it's like, all right, did I – would I have had Dexter Loomis on my bingo card that he was going to be involved in the end of the show and maybe part of a show-long storyline? no. But now it's something that I'm curious to see because, you know, he's been able to play that stark stalker, you know, creepy, like almost axe murderer gimmick in the past. So maybe that was he there to attack Champa? Was he there to attack Miz? Was he there to attack AJ? Nobody knows. Um, And that's are all those elements that happen backstage, something that 
will all play into that Loomis return. And I really feel like as I'm watching these WWE shows, when, you know, I, I hate to say the Vince era, but I mean, you kind of have to, um, you know, three months ago, if I'm watching a raw, they give you so many different time frames on that show to make you change a channel. And this past week in particular, was it a blow away raw? No. Was there moments on it that were very good? Like the Chompa Lashley match? Yes. But they sprinkled little aspects in there that kept you alive and kept you looking and wanting to figure out what was going on. And that's totally a Triple H thing. That's stuff that used to happen in Triple H's NXT as well. So I'm excited to see where they go with that, like the mystery aspect of shit that's going on in the backstage area and how that's all going to come full circle, you know, a week or two from now. And, you know, where this Loomis character is going, is that going to lead like an Indy Hartwell back? We'll talk about that other stuff later. But um it's the mystery's there now and you're watching the whole show trying to put pieces together and it's almost like it's a mystery now and you never had that during a Vince era everything that happened on a Vince show was responded to and answered right away you know so that's the part that really stuck out to me this week and I feel like more of that's going to come over time yeah it's just a good way to it's hooking someone so it's a good way to hook it now Marcus I know I know you love your details so what kind of details have you been noticing in the product uh my thing has been the the character tweaks. Uh, so there was thought with Triple H coming over, you know, oh, Triple H is in charge. There goes Austin Theory, right? Like time to cut his water off. Um, but not exactly. Um, even though I believe if Vince was in charge, Austin Theory would have left SummerSlam with the WWE title. Um, and I, I feel like that's not the case uh, now with Triple H. Uh, but what Triple H is doing is he is adding elements to Austin Theory's character. I couldn't really stand watching Theory. He was just um, just another dude. Like, I feel like there's 50 of him that they have down at a, a factory down there in Orlando just ready to pump out at any time. But with that MSG um, segment with Roman, that was I believe that was an MSG, uh, you immediately started to see changes in Austin Theory's character where he came out as his, you know, cocky, self-assured self. And then during the promo, you see the cockiness turn to doubt. And then you see the doubt turn to fear when he realizes that, okay, I am across from Roman Reigns and I am across from the Usos. And then what is he going to do with that fear? Is he going to run or is he going to fight? And he ends up actually being the aggressor and hitting the uh, one of the Usos with the briefcase. And I think it was by design that, like, he didn't really lay it in that much, but he had he had the fight in him. And that is, like, an element to his character that we would, never would have got with Vince. Like, while he was being pushed very heavily with Vince behind the wheel, uh, Theory didn't react to anything. And I think that's, like, a, a Vince trademark is, oh, don't let him see you react. Like, I think back to WrestleMania, uh, or the road to WrestleMania, when Pat McAfee, like, cut this awesome promo on SmackDown right to Theory's face, and all Theory did was, like, keep smiling. And I'm like, he's he's saying some pretty, like, terrible things about you, and you have absolutely no reaction except for, like, smiling and, and keep trying to be cocky. Like, you you got to sell something. Well, now he is selling something, and, like, you saw those three changes in him uh, in, with that Roman segment. And now I think... Hopefully, uh, his water is not being cut off, but it is being cooled off. Um, let him build. Let him simmer. Let him get some some teeth behind his character. And 
find some aggression and and just find something that's going to make him different. You have a whole year. You don't need to rush this cash in. It didn't need to be at SummerSlam. It doesn't have to be next month. Like, just let him get his character down and then, you know, figure out what you want to do with this cash in, whether it's successful, whether it's not, whether he loses it, whatever. Um, and then with Riddle, um, Riddle has been a lot less goofy and you're seeing more aggression from him. And the Kurt Angle comparison has has been there. Uh, you know, maybe it's a lazy comparison, but it's a comparison nonetheless. Um, and I think now you're seeing that aggressive side. Um, and I think we're might going to see him dialed up a little bit more to like that ECW run slash early perk angle run <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of of angle and ECW and WWE uh, before he left for TNA. Um, I think we're going to see that out of uh, out of riddle. Like, I am really interested to see, like, how is he? He doesn't have to drop all the goofy stuff because it's, it's very marketable and, you know, it's part of the, the charm to that character. But, um, you know, what does he look like turned up a little bit? And, uh, you know, I think he's a main event player, definitely. So uh, those are the two character changes I've really enjoyed so far. And just from watching the product, I've enjoyed that, uh, you know, obviously under the old regime – I could not, you know, I don't know if you could pay me to say, well, you probably could, but uh, it'd be a lot of money to say that all three hours of Raw are enjoyable. Um, you know, it, it was a chore, um, a chore that I didn't do sometimes. But with Triple H, I've been giving it uh, a longer leash. And before, where I would like probably tap out after 45 minutes, I've been making it to like an hour. I've been making it to an hour and a half. And every week it's been a little bit more. So, like, even though I don't watch, didn't watch all of Raw, once I heard, like, oh, this happened, and it was Dexter Loomis, and, like, they were setting up stuff in, like, you know, the shot of something else. I'm like, that doesn't sound like something they usually do. Um, it's, you know, it's been a very long time since they kind of, you know, have you pay attention to what's on the screen, but also what's going on, you know, in the background. Um, so, like, now I'm like, okay, you know what, like... You bought some more good faith. When Raw is on, I'm going to not tap out immediately, and I'm going to extend that time. And then, you know, whatever I don't catch, I'll, I'll catch on YouTube clips. But, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to hopefully Raw becoming, you know, I don't know if there's a better way to say it, but just more palatable. You know, I don't think it's going to be an overnight change where it goes from unwatchable to must-see. But, uh, you know, week by week, you start proving yourself and you start turning around that big ship slowly. Then I think, yeah, we're going to get somewhere. Yeah, so real quick, just to tie everything in. You know, the approach that we've kind of come to is that Vince McMahon really struggled not giving 100% just the one. He, he would only give 100%, like, for instance, he would only he'd put 100% of the focus of a segment onto, like, an Austin Theory. What Triple H is doing, he's spreading that 100% out. And if it's if this is the shine-up theory, but we got to give Roman that, you know, that 10 to 15%. In theory, you're only going to get about 85% or 80% of the shine. And that's going to go a long way and add up. And then it's just going to, that's going to increasingly, slowly get guys more over and over, for instance. Instead of just, because all Vince wanted to do now was create larger-than-life stars for instance, just keep looking at the Roman stuff. Look at the Brock stuff. Just going back, he just he was looking for shortcuts and go looking for those larger than life stars. And then Triple H is and just more focused and building up the upper card, mid card, building up the roster and making more got people, women included, especially the women, more 
feasible to use within a TV show. So that's the instance. But speaking of uh, bulking up that card, man, Triple H has been busy. He's brought a few boys back and a few girls back. Uh, at SummerSlam, that Dakota Kai thing was pretty cool, man. The way that that Bailey returns, she makes her way 80 yards halfway up the ramp, <laughs> and then she just stops and then she just does her Bailey thing. She starts talking shit to Bianca in the ring, and then this familiar like whose theme music is that? And it's like, holy shit, it's Dakota Kai. Vince fired her. Hold on, Vince, she was fired. What is she doing here? And you had that like. Oh my God moment. And then she makes her 80 yards and then they continue to talk shit. And then you have that. I loved EO or Shirai's theme song. And it's just, and I'm like, Oh wow. Something's happened. This is a moment. Bianca was fantastic with her reactions. And then you're like, Oh wow. These ladies are forming a group. Holy shit. They're back. Bailey's back. And then Dakota's back. And now EO's here. EO's not going back to Japan. Meltzer's wrong. You mean? Oh, of course. So, (laughs) and then they make their way to the ring. And then Bianca's like, well, what's like, Bianca's like, hold on. I was shocked last year at SummerSlam. And you guys can't catch me now. Like what's going on here? She was so good with the reactions. And then you see Becky walking back into the frame and you're like, Oh, wow. Becky just turned babyface, you know, by showing her respects to Bianca. And then this just cool, super memorable moment. Like, I'm not a superhero Avengers guy, but I feel like the Avengers were forming and we're going to go to battle here. If that makes sense to anyone, I'm sorry if it doesn't. But that's just my idea, I guess. But it's just like, wow, that that was pretty cool moment. And then, boom, that mid-card structure is just starting to get that's the first Lego down. And let's start building. You know what I mean? Then you find out Becky's hurt, and that's fine. Look, we just added three very interesting women to this roster. You know, what do you what do you think of those three, Mark, Mark, Marcus? Was I did I overreact a little bit? Did the Avengers thing make sense? Did we have a moment? I'm not a comic book guy either, but uh, it did feel like a comic book thing happening. All these big characters, uh, all these surprises. Uh, I thought it was a good replenishing but also resetting of the women's division where bianca and becky have really been like the one and two uh the top story throughout the last year uh you know and bianca's really been the top of the women's division going back to the 2021 royal rumble uh so i thought it was good to you know replenish the cupboard um get some new talent in here tell some new stories uh even if it's the same stories just with new people you know we'll take that at this point um, you know, I, I did have a problem with Bianca's reaction to Bailey coming out. I thought her reactions for everybody else was good. Um, I felt like she was marking out for Bailey at first. I'm like, you, you kind of had a blood feud with her and it didn't, it, that reaction didn't match up, but everything else did for me. Um, you know, I, I, I could also nitpick. I could have done without the handshake from Becky and Bianca. I would have had Becky walk away from the handshake and then have her walk back into the screen later to back up Bianca and just keep that tension there. But I understand they're trying to, you know, spread some Becky dust onto Bianca and clearly make her the number one moving forward. Uh, so I get it. Um, it's not like it was bad or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited to see Bailey. Um, I don't know if she is trying to limit some of the punches on her bump card uh i don't know if they're just working her back slowly um 
or what. But, I mean, even before she got hurt, she was wrestling way less. Uh, she was much more of a mouthpiece doing the in-ring, uh, the, you know, the ding-dong hello segments. Yeah. Um, you know, much more of a more of a character, really, than a wrestler. Um, you know, kind of like 1994 Shawn Michaels almost. Um, <laughs> she really wasn't wrestling all that much. Um, and now you put her with Dakota Kai. You put her with uh, Io Shirai. And, you know, those two women can cut promos. It's it's not like they can't. Um, it just is going to take a while, I think, to reprogram the U.S. fans um, into thinking that, you know, hey, anybody who doesn't speak, you know, clear, you know, American King's English, you know, it, it doesn't mean they're, they're a bad promo. It just means they, they sound different and there's nothing wrong with that. So I think it's a good move to put Bailey with them. I think she's uh, great on the mic. It's going to limit her bumps. Um, hopefully it's going to make her more of a big deal. And it's also a great way to to introduce, you know, for the average fan, uh, two new characters, two people who maybe you haven't seen before. If you haven't been super dialed into NXT, um, you know, pair them with somebody who they definitely do know, somebody who has been uh, an ace of the division, an ace of the company, really, uh, for the last six years or so. So I, I think that's a brilliant move. And, uh, you know, it's always good to have a group. There's lots of ways to book that. You can always do six person tags, you know, two on two different combinations. You can do have multiple stories going on at the same time. And, uh, you know, I think eventually the money is in them having all the belts. But uh, what do you see, Rossi? The first thing that came to mind um, when me and Ryan were talking about this um, Monday night was like Becky being out at the almost the best time for them. <laughs> you know, I mean, it kind of gives them the opportunity to doesn't seem like it's anything that's going to like knock her out of like mania next year, you know? So the way that they were lucky into having her get written off TV by this new group, um, clearing her out. And I mean, they, they did a really good job of that on that Monday night and letting her do the babyface promo first. It really worked out in positioning that whole card now to kind of run through the Bailey crew on top of Bianca as the foil and, you know, maybe that forced uh, the hand to get Oscar and Alexa involved in the feud maybe earlier than they wanted to. But it still worked because they had kind of teased them as a team before. So that entire women's division on Raw was changed. You took Becky out and you put those three in and it, it, it added more depth. Um, it, the, the putting together of that stable kind of reminded me of how they put Toxic Attraction together in NXT. When that was take the established name and take the not so established names and use that established name to get the the lesser knowns over, and I feel like a lot of that's going to happen with Bailey as well. Obviously, they're not going to be sold strictly on sex appeal like Toxic Attraction was, but they don't have to be because they're all good wrestlers. Um, so that was really a great repositioning of the women's roster, and you know maybe we're going to start to see something happen with the SmackDown women's roster as well over the next coming weeks. Although, just in the tag division alone. By, you know, putting, you know, the Shotzi's on more on TV more. You saw Leah on TV a little bit more. You saw um, Zaya Lee on TV a little bit more. You're able to really put all these women in a spotlight. And w Triple H has always been great at getting women over and making women the headlines of his shows. This is almost as important as the as the men are. Um, and, you know, there was so many times in NXT that the horsewomen were the most important thing on the show. So, you know, the Triple H is going to have the focus there and he's off to a really good start. Yeah, um, just really cool reframing of everything. You guys nailed it. We'll get into these two a little when we kind of get a little bit into TV. I don't think we much have to say much about Dexter. You kind of already hit it, Rossi. He's back. 
Um, you did a really good job explaining of his potential of what could happen. So I don't really think we got to hit it, but he's back and he's kind of an interesting name to have back where we kind of anticipated Johnny maybe possibly, but it was good to have his kind of daughter's storyline husband return and the possibilities are endless with him. It could be a away return. It could be, he could be this creep. He could be this mute. He could be whatever. So we don't know. But then we had a big one, Karrion Cross. It kind of came out that he was going to maybe resign with WWE in the afternoon. And that shit came together real quick on Friday. And mm-hmm. it came out of nowhere. It was really smart. I'm not a huge Cross guy, but I'm openly optimistic with a big scale and, you know, someone behind him like Triple H. And he can't be working with 205 Live guys the whole time. So what is he going to give and what is he going to take with this roster? We'll maybe get into that a little bit later. But, Marcus, you're kind of a hoss guy. Is Karrion Cross a hoss? He's a hoss in 205, I mean, in NXT 2000 or 2022. But is he a hoss? He, he ain't a hoss with Drew. He, he ain't a hoss with Roman. He's three inches short on those guys. He's going to have to bump. What do you think? Yeah, not a hoss. Uh, you know, he's just a average what what should be, in my opinion, uh, you know, an average size pro wrestler. You know, dude's probably six one, uh, you know, two hundred and thirty, forty pounds, like solid solid build. Um I don't think it's an accident that uh, you know, he was in leather and, and looked, you know, almost uh, you know, puffed himself out a little bit bigger uh than what he is. Uh, you know, uh, somebody else had a habit of, you know, wearing big leather jackets and, uh, you know, trying to look a little bit bigger than maybe what their size, uh, might've let on before they tore their quad. Um, you know, I don't know if we want to talk about it here or not, but, um, I'm far from a cross guy. He just does. None of that appeals to me. I understand it does appeal to a lot of people. Um, you know, if you're catering to the, you know, 18 to 49 year old white male. I understand he checks a lot of boxes, but that's not me. Uh, he, he, <laughs> it's a swing and a miss for me. Um, for, you know, for me, the character, and I guess this is going to be a test to triple H is, um, you know, can he dial this character in? Because for all that triple H got right in NXT, I thought the carrying cross push and presentation was a misstep. Um, you know, I, I think there's some jokes to be made about this is how Triple H sees himself. This is kind of his million dollar man, if you will. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just what's the elevator pitch to this character? How how do you explain this to somebody um, you know, in 30 seconds or, or less? Smoke um, hot chick, um, spooky, doesn't want menacing, but to his core struggling putting together a match with his skill set when it's not Johnny Gargano, when it's not Finn Balor, when it's not guys of that Tommaso Ciampa, and he can go out there and really just take a bump or two, and those guys create a lot of motion. And I think my 30 seconds up, and I didn't really shine too much on him. <laughs> yeah, he's he's um, he's a, he's a striker, but he's a submission guy. He's an MMA guy, but he also wrestles uh, and is presented to be like great Kali, uh, you know, supposedly dwarfing over the whole roster. Uh, you know, he's he has almost no weakness. He's a hybrid kind of care, uh, wrestler and, you know, not allowing your character to have any weakness is a, a big, uh, you know, calling card of, of Triple H. Uh, his character didn't have any weaknesses in the ring. He was he was the complete package. I mean, he was the game. Uh, so, you know, I would hate uh, to see Karen Cross's second chance 
you know, get, you know, ruined almost. Um, you know, I, I want to see him do well. I, I want to, you know, I don't want to see anybody just fail for the sake of failing. Um, but you know, the, I think this character really needs to be tightened up and narrowed down. Uh, you mentioned it. He's got leather, leather jackets. He's got hair now. He's got his wife. Uh, he's got Doomsday. He's got TikTok, but he carries. Or his wife carries an hourglass, which I don't think sand goes tick tock, does it? So like that doesn't make any sense. But I think time does seconds on the clock. Then carry the boogeyman <laughs> clock that goes tick tock. <laughs> it's a metaphor, but I just I understand. It doesn't make any. It doesn't make the, sense. Like there's a I, lot I of this character that doesn't make any sense if you stop and think about it for a second um you know that's kind of like, him in a nutshell <laughs> i i would like to see him work on his facials like i think he only ever made one face which is like that's the face that the kid makes in um little giants when he's working on intimidation in the mirror like and he's got the tums or whatever foaming out of his mouth like it's the same like neck flared big eyes you know teeth uh you know gnashing fate like there's just a lot to him i think he has a lot of potential i want to see it unlocked but triple h is really going to have to tighten up and narrow down what is this character i'm willing to give him a chance but also i've seen what triple h's vision unfiltered and you know um kind of unchained vision of this character is once before so i don't have a reason to believe it's going to be any different this time around but i'm willing to give it a shot now i do think that the presentation and a mission statement and the SmackDown energy instead of the empty arena, you know, NXT energy where they have to rely on smoke and mirrors because there's no crowd and the crowd is out there to react to him, do his limited moveset and whatever. And maybe he can grow and maybe he has grown. Maybe he was humbled. Maybe he was directed a certain way and there's a little more skill set in there. So everything being glass half full, I am optimistic in a way, just because of the motivations of a Triple H to prove that they the machine can get behind him and make that work. Now, Rossi, I know you're a cross guy. Can you make the case for him here, or because uh, I'm kind of I need the case made for me in a way to my to my core. Sure, I'm sure. I definitely am a cross guy. Uh, I'm a cross guy. I, I think that the gimmick, what what failed him on the main roster was the fact they took away the element from him that makes him a star, and that's his wife. Um, and I know that that's weird to say because, you know, I'm going to praise Cross by saying he needs his wife, but, I mean, look at her. She She is, like, the walking epitome of everything that should be in a wrestling program as a female, you know, corner woman or, or manager. Um, she's got a creepy look to her. She's got the the sexiness, the, the seduction that's going to be able to get him into things that he wouldn't be otherwise. Um, and I said this from the second he showed up in NXT. That's a main roster gimmick and a main roster wrestler. Um, he's, he's yeah, you're right. He's small to the comparison of, you know, the Bobby Lashley's and the Roman Reigns is and the Drew McIntyre's. But we're also in a world where we're seeing a rejuvenated push around a Ciampa. We're seeing a rejuvenated push around, um, you know, a guy like Theory and Riddle's not big. Uh, Cross has that ability to have a main roster style match. And, yeah, we might be turning up the expectations of the main roster matches now in a Triple H era. 
but I think the guy is fine in ring. Um, I don't think, yeah. I mean, is he going to hop in there and do a four and a half star match with a lot of guys? Probably not, but it's on them to build that aura with him and make him somebody that is interesting to watch. I mean, his NXT run wasn't amazing because like to you guys' point, he was working with midgets. Um, you know, they had to put him in a six man because he, at the way he was built up, he should have destroyed, destroyed anybody in a singles match. Uh, the guy has the demeanor. He has the look. Um, I think that they need to, I'd love it that he, if he doesn't talk as much as he might have an NXT kind of let Scarlett take that side of it over. Um, they, they kind of can the goofiness of when they first introduced that gimmick with her, like pretending she was singing the lyrics. I don't want to see that shit. I just want to see her be like a menacing, almost like mind of control, like almost like a Paul Bearer type character for him, um, that she kind of makes him be the one that ticks. And I totally think something like that in the main roster works. Um, they, this is something that I'm shocked that Vince missed with Scarlet. Because with Scarlet, they kind of have that supernatural sense to them. And, you know, Vince was all about that, um, trying to turn Edge supernatural when he was in Judgment Day or whatever. Um, I was surprised that he missed this opportunity. But something happened with Scarlet and Vince. And I don't know what it was. For her to never be on that main roster was weird. Because you seem like you saw how he pushed Alana, who had a lot less presence than Scarlet did, in my opinion. So when she first came up, at least. So I'm I'm excited to see where it goes because I feel like it's a gimmick more made for the main roster than that era of NXT was. Um, and I think that it's going to be something that really is a cool gimmick in an arena setting with fans. And, you know, I think he's adequate enough in ring that, you know, over time, if he tells the right story, gets in the right programs, he's going to be fine. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, how does he fit into this story? Is Was he just put to that spot so he's shown as a big-time player, but he's not really in that title picture? Maybe he starts squashing people week after week, and they build him up that way. Um, but, th- you know, that almost seemed like it was too much too soon with the way they re-debuted him, but it was still really cool. It was a shocking moment um, because you never would have predicted that he debuted in that spot. But I'm excited. I'm cautiously optimistic about what they do with this guy. I mean, obviously – I trusted a lot more in, in Triple H's hands than I ever would have Vince's, but I think Scarlet is the key to the gimmick working because she has such a presence. She has a presence that no other woman on that roster has, um, and I feel like that's something that hopefully she doesn't wrestle. I have heard a couple of things out there that she might, but um, we'll see. I don't think that's her strength, but um, we'll see where it goes. But I, I do think it's a main roster gimmick that will play out harder here than it did in NXT. I will just jump in real quick and say that uh, when a main event male superstar is controlled and represented by a female, uh, I will believe it when I see it. Um, I mean, even Triple H married Stephanie McMahon and somehow on screen and off screen, he's the one that ends up with all the power. Um, I have a hard time seeing that happen. Um, and maybe that's why Vince wanted cross by himself is because I think even though it is 2022, uh, there are certainly some elements in that company, uh, and how they portray and, and represent women, uh, that are still stuck, uh, in, in the last century. So, um, here's, here's to it though. Um, you know, here's to something new getting over and, uh, you know, just, just something fresh. See, in a weird way, I think, 
Cross may have been a linchpin to the Triple H and Vince relationship in a way. Now, Triple H is over there for the last three years of his NXT run building guys that Vince necessarily aren't interested in. You know, oh, you give me Ricochet, I'm not, I don't really like him. You give me Yelser Black, like, it's not for me, dude. Like, what are we doing? Gargano, I'm all set. Chiampa, way too small. I need guys I can play with. I need guys I can work. Because that's what Vince was doing. He was just playing and working. He was, well, he wanted megastars that he could just put on TV and fill time. So speaking of that, Triple H, Triple H is like, all right, well, I got crossed. Like Rossi said, main roster ready. But then his the detractors in Vince's ears being like, well, he ain't that good. Kind of what me and Marcus were saying. He can't work. He's flashing the pan. It's all interest. It's all smoke. It's whatever. So Triple H is out here presenting Cross, which suffers, what kind of made NXT suffer, in my opinion, head to head against AEW. So Cross is over here losing the ratings in a quote unquote in a way losing the ratings. It's really atmosphere, whatever, yada, yada, yada. So Trippy's like, all right, well, he's ready for you after SummerSlam. You're going to take him. He's got, all right, well, he, all these detractors are telling me his flaws. I'm going to see what he's made. I'm going to take Scarlet. I'm going to take the entrance. Go on main event. Show me what you got in a match against Akira Tozawa. And it was fine, whatever. So now go out with Jeff Hardy. We're going to lose. How are you going to react? You know, all right, well, this isn't working. I, I'm going to gimmick you up. Here's the stupid fucking helmet. Triple H, you told me this guy was ready. He's the shits. So, like, I think he was like a legit linchpin of of in between their relationship. And now Triple H is here to be like, oh, you thought he was the shits? Fuck you. I'm going to show you he was the man. You know what I mean? So he is this is definitely a crossroad 50 50 either way, in my opinion. But enough on him. We'll, we'll t- we've kind of hit him so we don't have to hit him when we do the Drew stuff. But. You know, that that's kind of my assessment of he's kind of a linchpin in a weird way. Do either, you, real quick, either you guys see that? You guys see that little sentiment or am I out of I, in the weeds? Too much? I see it. I see it. But I've always saw him as the fall guy for NXT losing to AEW. Like he was the guy on top. Um, I feel like even Cole had a little bit of that to the Vince eyes, um, you know, with, you know, I feel like if. Vince should have seen what Adam Cole is. Um, and obviously he's a small guy. Um, he may not have ever used them right, but it's tough to let a guy like that go. And it seemed like Cole wanted to give them a chance to, to keep him. Uh, but I always felt like cross was the guy that was the NXT fall guy. And the one that they put the blame on when they were ultimately sent back to Tuesdays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, little saying, I remember, uh, Crap rolls downhill, and uh, I just think in the pecking order, Cross happened to be at the bottom of the hill. Now, there's plenty of kayfabe reasons or on-screen reasons. You could say he's the champ. He's, If you view WWE as an action movie, which I do, um, he was the star. And when a movie is a bust at the box office, I mean – you blame the star usually. Um, you know, usually their their performance gets gets criticized in the casting uh, decision. So, yeah, he he's definitely a linchpin though. Um, yeah, and he gets people talking one way or another. So, you know, that's I think, a good thing. I think just the fact that we just did you know 20 minutes or whatever on, on uh, Killer Carrying Cross, uh, you know, probably speaks to something. Yeah, that's true too. All right, well, speak of Triple H and Vince's relationship, Marcus. Well, you're stealing my gimmick, bro, but it's cool, man. I, I'm, I'm here for it. Marcus's thing of the week. Tell us, explain to us how Triple H is going to spend Vince's money. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, 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 uh. 
Yeah, I want to play a little game here called Spend Vince's Money. Now, Vince McMahon, of course, as we've mentioned several times and has been covered in previous episodes, he gone. He out of here. Uh, you know, he might be driving from the back seat, but uh, he is no longer in the front seat. So uh, with that said, Triple H has been bringing his people in. And I want to do a little game, a little exercise here called Spend Vince's Money. And that is uh, with the people using a pool of people that were released from or their contracts having expired, whatever, uh, from 2020 when the massive layoff started uh, up until now. Who would you bring back if you were Triple H and you could spend Vince's money? All right. Do I have a budget? Do I have I got to have a plan? I got to have a mid card, upper mid card, just a freelance buddy. What do you think? Let's let's do this. Let's have uh, plenty of women got laid off. So let's do one woman, uh, one woman or at least like one woman act. Um, Let's have somebody for the mid card, whether that's another woman or that's that's a guy, you know, somebody around, you know, the I see US, you know, mid card kind of fodder. Um, And then somebody for the upper mid card, somebody that you would bring back or somebody that you would reposition uh, to kind of get people talking a little bit, kind of like the Dexter Loomis return, kind of like Killer Karrion Cross. You know, who would you, uh, you know, resign and kind of insert into a much higher position, uh, you know, get people talking into that upper mid card main event scene. So three rounds. Three rounds. Well, we love fantasy football, so we're gonna, let's snake this bitch. And Marcus, you're our guest, so how about you start? I'm going right, second, I'm... by the way. Fuck Rossi. <laughs> Sorry, Rossi. Uh, but you do get the back-to-back picks. That's nice. Um, hey, yeah, I'm I'm excited about the three pick, man. Fuck you. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm I'm a I'm gonna go lead off here, and uh, you know I'm a, I'm gonna go ahead and grab my guys or my girls, should I say? Uh, I'm gonna reach a little bit. But I don't think they'll be back when it snakes back to me. So with my selection, uh, I'm going to re-sign the Iconics. <laughs> uh, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, uh, Jesse McKay, Cassie Lee, whatever you want to call them. Um, I know, congratulations, Cassie. Uh, they are ex- uh, expecting a child. So whether she comes back or not, uh, really... Uh, you know, I, I would buy two for the price of like for for one here. Like, I think the money is really in Billy Kay, and I think that's part of the problem why maybe they, uh, you know, I don't know what Vince's problem was. Um, but I mean, I think you could, you could really, um, you know, book a division, uh, almost book a division around Billy Kay. Like, um, we saw on SmackDown during the pandemic, like <laughs> a resume, right. The, the resume stuff like that yeah. was really interesting. And her like going up and trying to ad- adopt different groups, identities, like that was really interesting stuff. I think she's probably way too like genuinely funny and naturally funny to be in wrestling. Like she belongs in movies. I think she has a tremendous uh, sense of timing, uh, comedic timing and just a great sense of humor. Um, and, um, does not hurt on the eyes, respectfully speaking, either. So, uh, I'm I'm bringing back the iconics, but uh, mainly it's to to push uh, Billy Kay, and I would probably drop them off in NXT first, um, and I would kind of probably have them go heads up against um, Toxic Attraction. Okay, that's fun. That's fun. 
Now we're we're, we're pretending she's not pregnant for the record. We're not trying to hit. <laughs> sure. No. No. I'm not trying to have a pregnant lady bump. No. This is in 1999. All right. All right. All right. So with my second pick, uh, I'm gonna get a little weird. Um, I'm not necessarily a Bray Wyatt guy or a spooky horror guy, uh, but I do think there was some equity in Swamp Lizard Bray Wyatt, the original version of Bray Wyatt. And I wouldn't bring back The Fiend. Fuck that merchandise money. You know, I'm not ruling it out one day, but I would go Bray Wyatt, Wyatt family. And if Eric Rowan wants to come with him, Maybe I can spend a draft pick there. I don't want to, you know, I want to revamp my tag team division. Eric Rowan's a good tag guy. We want to bring, spend some extra money. We want to control our narrative and bring in Braun. Like, I'm talking wrestlers that I can't stand, but I do think there's equity in a Wyatt family. But if I want to, hey, if I wanted to get weird and kind of start my own Wyatt family and I want to bring up the grizzled young vets or something and stick them stick with Ray, mm. With Bray, I might want to do that. Or if there's like maybe like a Cameron Grimes, he's a millionaire, but is he he could have he has range to kind of go with a Bray Wyatt, and that's a way to introduce him. So if I I don't want to go, I want to go Wyatt family with Bray Wyatt, but I, I'm not necessarily sure if I want to. I'll, maybe I'll bring back Rowan for nostalgia, but I'm not trying to spend all my uncle my inheritance money and bring in Braun where I can't stick him in a tag. I'd have to feature him to kind of justify that shitty contract, you know. So. I, I'm going out of my comfort zone, something I'm not really into, and I'm going Bray Wyatt. I like the pick. I like the pick. Bold. Not the Fiend, not the fiend uh, but I'm not, I'm not ruling out the Fiend one day with my pick either. I'm going fit, Wyatt family, and I'm and I'm grabbing some guys from NXT, or I'm grabbing guys in the main roster, and I'm, re, and I'm revamping them. Rossi, because, hey, real quick, Wyatt family was a Triple H thing. Rossi, go. Yeah, so I will go with – I'm going to cheat a little bit and take three people off the list. Um, but it's going to be Matt Cardona, Chelsea Green, and Brian Myers. Um, and I'm going to get a little cre- – <laughs> I'm going to get kind of creative with this, though. So obviously what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring the character in that's worked so well in 2021. Um, you know, just going to be just an asshole, um, able to piss off the crowd, be like a mega heel – Chelsea has eye candy on his arm that can wrestle a little bit. Um, she's an ultimate bitch. She can bump around. She can do whatever she needs to do. And then Myers is there to be the fall guy when they do tag matches. Um, and, you know, Myers has – he was always entertaining at WWE. Like, he he was a goofball with the losing streak gimmick. But now they'll, they're ultimately in the mid-card. You're able to put them into – you know, fun friend feuds with Cody or the Miz or everybody together into something. Um, you've got a lot of options there. You can play the New York thing up when you're in the New York market, which is always fun. Um, there's a lot of things you can do, but then what I would do for him and Myers backstage as well is I would give them a significant pay raise to get involved in the toy division. Now, these are two guys that obviously, uh, you know, live their lives with action figures, but they know what they're doing. They sell a lot of it on their own and they create a lot of them on their own. And I feel like WWE does a good job with their wrestling figures, but there's an area that they are still leaving on the table there. Um, So there could be a lot of rebranding done there with these these guys as the masterminds. And you're getting a lot of bang for your buck out of these guys because you might be overpaying them to have them on TV. Um, because obviously they have their limitations bell to bell, 
But then you'll make that money back with what they're able to do for you on the bottom line with what they can help in that toy division. So that that will be my first pick together is the um, major family or the major players, whatever they are. Um, and they will be thrust into my middle mid card. Um, and then while we're here, I will do everything in my pick coming back. Um, I am going to do everything in my power to because she knows she's going to wrestle again, but I'm bringing Paige back. Um, she's going to be someone that really could fit into, you know, if the women are being set up for stable warfare, she's got a history with Charlotte. She's got a history with all these other women in the past, um, but she's a really good wrestler when she's on. Um, and she's got a lot of star power. She's got a lot of ability to, you know, move the needle in that woman's division. You know, she was the really the the linchpin that made NXT work um, and kind of portray over to the women when she was there, you know, in that first takeover with Emma and things of that nature. Um, and as we've seen over the years, Emma Tennille Dashwood's not that great of a wrestler, but she had good matches with Paige. Um, Paige is talented. Um, I'd always be worried about her neck, but you use her sparingly, maybe let her wrestle five to ten times a year tops, um, but make them feel like big deals. She has a ton of dream matches out there that she hasn't had. Um, let her, you know, organically be a star here. And here's the deal. She's going to wrestle again, um, whether that's, you know, in a mini run in AW or she goes to Japan, whatever she ends up doing. I don't know. But she's going to be wrestling again. She wouldn't have made a big deal of this exit if she wasn't. So uh, bring her back, put her into a prominent women's role, and um, you're going to be a lot better off with her there than her elsewhere. All right. So I, I like that you're investing Vince's Vince's money in the first round there, too. You, you, you overpaid to bring the major brothers in. Well, I'm a fan of, but you, you, I like the investment part, too. We're going to have to put that portfolio in there, too. Good stuff. All right. So this round, I'm bringing back a tag team. All right, we need this tag team division needs depth. You got the Lucha Bros. I'm mean, not the Lucha Bros. <laughs> the Lucha House Party. I'm a big fan of those guys. Those guys could put on some low key bangers. You got Wesley. He's empty. You can bring back uh, Nash Carter, MSK. I'm a big fan of them guys, right? Forgotten Sons minus Jackson Riker. I I don't know what Cutler's doing. I don't know if he's signed with Impact. Not really sure. Um, you you know you even got like Lurkin and Birch. I know. Birch is hurt, but those are just good, solid guys that you could have in the lower mid to mid card of your tag division. They're going to make guys look like a million bucks. And then you got guys, and then you, I could go with my, a personal favorite, Brizongo, Equity, SmackDown Live, great run, Fashion Police, Equity and NXT, two runs, Fandango, super fun. Those are memorable characters. Breeze is a great hand. He can help you down the road. You kind of got a little sanity action here with Wolf. I would look at Big Damo, too, man. He's another guy that kind of family, Wyatt family vibes. Stick him with maybe like a Bo Dallas. You know what I mean? That's a makeshift tag team. Uh, I don't know, man. I got a lot of stuff going on here. I got I got Tucker, Reform Heavy Machinery. I, don't know, I got a lot of options going on here. I got the Good Brothers. Just kidding. Yeah, I could see it. But this is kind of a hot take. I'm going Enzo and Big Cass, man. I'm going the I'm going with the big buzz. You know, Enzo's in the weeds. I know he has his detractors. Big Cass got a lot of buzz coming off that impact run. Here's the thing, Enzo and Big Cass, you don't work out. I got I got I got signed. I I signed Enzo to six months, but I'm signing Big Cass for four years. Put your name on that dotted line. We're gonna get a little equity buzz with your big buddy here, with your little buddy here. If he doesn't work out, he's kind of a wild card. Personally, he 
to the core, Triple H brought him in through the Franco's gym. Triple H likes him, but to the core, Triple H can't stand him. Remember NXT 2019? Enzo says he's coming back to NXT. And Triple H is like, no fucking way. That's something we would never consider. That guy's out of his mind. But, you know, Big Cass, is, he's a smart guy. Ivy League schools. He's turned his life around. He's a big guy that we put a lot of future in. We had him in NXT for five years. He was on the main roster. They were over. He, we wanted to push him. We didn't go with him. He had his problems, and we really, we let him go. He wanted to get away, whatever. So I'm taking a risk, and I'm bringing back Enzo and Big Cass, and I'm look, I'm going for the sky with that one. You know, just super popular team. Marcus, on to you. Yeah, um, definitely see the money in, in Big Cass, and I think it is a matter of time because, uh, you know, America loves a good comeback story, and rich people love giving opportunity when they feel it is earned. So I think it's a matter of time for Big Cass, and who knows, maybe Enzo will even uh, backdoor his way into another payday. But uh, I'm on the clock now. I get to uh, make my middle and last selection. So I'm going to go with uh i'll go with the mid card pick and that would be bronson reed uh i thought he was an excellent uh you know middle of the pack kind of player he has a unique body type and i think it's awesome uh when people of all shapes sizes races ethnicities genders are represented uh on a global scale like wwe uh the dude can work and i think that might have been to his detriment in NXT. Uh, you know, I think the Gargano series, while they were great matches, might have done a disservice to him because he just is so big and physically imposing. Um, you know, but he can definitely keep up with the uh, modern PWG slash WWE style. Um, you know, that super indie style that's bled into the WWE product. So I would give Bronson Reed a call up and uh, really insert him into, uh, you know, the the IC division. I would get him and him and uh, Walter going. Uh, you know him and Ricochet. Whether they you know have a loose alliance or you know they end up beefing. Uh, I think there's some good matches there when you insert a big power guy like Bronson Reed. And for my main event pick, uh, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go fix the main event women's pitcher on SmackDown. Now who on this list could possibly just be inserted as a main eventer. Oh, no, I think you're going to steal my pick, buddy. I'm sorry. I got to do it. I'm making the call, and I'm bringing back Mickey James. Oh, you can have it. <laughs> not just as Mickey James. I'm bringing in hardcore country Mickey James. She is a grown woman. She's been doing this for a long time. She, she is still in her prime as far as I'm concerned. Uh, she definitely still has it. Um, she now has outside business ventures that she's been successful in. So uh, she she can do a little bit of everything and do it very well. And I think the women on SmackDown really could use like another main event anchor. Ronda's been a little hit or miss. I think you bring in Mickey James and you have her go up against Liv Morgan, who is still kind of playing this unsure teenage girl, even though she's like dang near 30. Um I, that's that's what I would do with Mickey James. I would I would really treat her like the big deal that she is. Uh, you know, the reaction she got at the Royal Rumble was fantastic. Um, you know, I think there's some some money to be made with Mickey James, and uh, you know, there's no signs of aging. I mean, she she's still fantastic. All right, so we're the do I have to pick a woman or I forget? <laughs> uh, yeah, got to got to do a female act. 
right. Whether well, you want to make a main event or, or you know, mid-card, whatever. All right. So I left out for potential tag teams, by the way. I left off um, the top dollar in Ashante Vidanis. And it unfortunately, I think Swerve was the linchpin to that team. But that's another team that they could consider bringing back because um, that that well, the hit. Well, what were they called? The hit row, not hit row. Um, come on, Phil. What were they? Yeah, called? hit row, hit row. Hit that's row. Right. Yeah, hit it was row. hit row. Hit yeah, row, hit row. Hit row, hit row. That that had like a cool vibe and that should have worked out, but I believe there were like vaccination problems. <laughs> but um that's kind of past or whatever. But anyways, I gotta pick a female. I respect the game. Uh I look at names that I think that I really liked. I I liked the Frankie Monets, but I understand the age gap. If I can attach Morrison to her, that's someone I could consider. Um but I'm going to go a little bigger. I think she's under contract, but I'm going to go Deanna Perrazzo. Um, she's even if you could stick her in and she can instantly have good matches. And that's very valuable to the co- roster. I'm going to steal from Rossi stable and I'm going to tag team Perrazzo and Chelsea green. And that's just an incredible team that I can put in the women tag team division. And Perrazzo has a uh, bigger upside outside of the tag team division in the mid card too. So there's a little more equity, a little more bang for my buck too. So if I got to go female, I'm going Deanna Perrazzo and I'm not afraid. I might go killer Kelly. I'm a big killer Kelly fan, but I'm going to go Deanna Perrazzo. If I can get her, I don't know if she's in contract. Rossi, who's your last pick? Oh, yeah, she's on an impact contract. You can get her. Um, and, and you know what? She, I'm cool. She can join my stable with uh, my New York boys and, uh, yeah, we'll, team make with, uh we'll, we'll make that happen. And, um, you know, so I didn't really say it before, but I considered Paige my main eventer because I think she's going to be a, a women's main event. Uh, but I'm going to give you somebody else who eh, maybe could start with a return at NXT before ultimately coming to the main roster, and that's Timothy Thatcher. Um, I feel like there was a lot of meat on the bone with him when he was gone. Um, he had an awesome fight pit with uh, Riddle. Um, I think he actually won that. Um, and there was obviously plans with him with Triple H. Um, I mean, I feel like they wanted him to be a trainer when he wanted to continue to wrestle, um, which is fair. Um, but, you know, here's my my elevator pitch for him. Um, who did he become a star with in the Indies back in 2018, 17, 16? Um, and that was Walter, now else. known. Yes, Walter, now known as Gunther. Um, so. You know, if we're going to only if we're going to keep Giovanni Vinci in NXT as Giovanni Vinci, I do think eventually, um, you know, Ludwig Kaiser might get pissed off by the amount of time that Walter beats the shit out of him on the main roster. Um, So Walter and Gunther, whatever his name is, he's going to need a new buddy at some point down the road. And that's where Tim Thatcher comes into play. Um, The original member of ring camp. Um, with Walter, with Walter, I think that there's a natural fit there. Um, you know, he's got that major history with Riddle as well. Um, he could have killer matches with Yoshinsuke's of the world. He just fits into that Swiss army knife. Like if you need him to go up the card, he can, if you want him to jerk the curtain, he can, but he's going to have a good match in any, any aspect of the card. So, uh, give me some Tim Thatcher, that ugly son of a bitch. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So recap real quick. I have my main eventer is Bray Wyatt with some Wyatt family buzz around it. And then I have my tag team, my mid card is Big Cass and Enzo. And then I have my female is Diano. Rossi, who do you got? Just a quick recap. 
So I've got a jack of all trades in the Cardona boys. Um, I, I really brought them in to revamp my business, but they can do whatever they want on that main roster or even NXT. Hell, bring them into NXT and add some star power to a Braun Breaker. Fuck it. Um, and then I got Paige in the main roster, you know, main high card spot. She can, you know, be right into that Becky Bianca mix. No problem. And then, you know, I've got Tim Thatcher as the Swiss Army Knife mid Carter. And then one, and then who did you have, Marcus? I took the Iconics to bolster <laughs> my women's mid card scene, uh, and mostly for Billy Kay, uh, respectfully speaking. Um, Bronson Reed or Jonah, all caps, to bolster my mid card on IC division on SmackDown, and then uh, Hardcore Country Mickey James also going over to SmackDown, presented as a main eventer and the legend that she is, uh, immediately taking that strap from Liv Morgan. Cool. Excellent. Love it. I'll throw the Wyatt family on Raw, Perrazzo, and Enzo and Big Cass on SmackDown. So, guys, WWE TV report. We hit a lot of it on the preview. <laughs> you know what I mean? On the news segment, our SummerSlam recap, and then our the rehires of Triple H and talking Triple H, we hit it. So let's kind of just breeze through it real quick. We have Roman and Drew. We had Drew beat Sheamus in that really fun, good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. It was, it was exciting. It felt big, and it delivered. It was really strong, and I and again, like I said earlier, I love that promo the next night. Um, and then they were gonna have this face off last week on SmackDown, and then Scarlett and Cross kind of threw a monkey wrench in that. And we talked about Cross, we talked about our feelings for Cross, but where do we see this going? Are they gonna jump in and just go straight Drew and Roman? I'm looking. Roman doesn't have many appearances left. They need to have that one-on-one face-off. I'm not sure if it's this week. I'm not sure if it's the go-home for the castle. I'm really not sure on where where or when that's going to be. But they need to have that money face-off because that money face-off is money. But I want to – Marcus, where do you see Cross falling into here? I don't want to hear your fucking opinion on Cross. We already did, and I agree with <laughs> <for> you. <laughs> but is Cross just kind of smoke and mirrors, no pun intended, and is this going to be a one-on-one? Or is this a weird way to get like a triple threat – and we can finally split those belts because Raw USA wants that WWE title back, and Raw needs it, and it should be back on Raw. And these titles should never been together in the first place. Marcus, what say you? Uh, I think this is just sprinkling some Roman dust and some Drew dust onto uh, Killer Karen Cross, uh, and I think it's already just setting up a um, little TV program. I guess I shouldn't say TV program, but uh, setting up Drew's next feud. Um, okay. I, I think he's. I think. He's going to do business for Roman uh, at Clash the Castle, but I think setting up Cross versus Drew McIntyre, um, if Drew's going to be your number one babyface on SmackDown, unless I'm forgetting somebody, but I think he's number one babyface on SmackDown, uh, you need some dragons for him to slay, uh, and, and Killer Carrying Cross can definitely be that. Let me hop in here and fantasy book this, uh, um, because you know we oh. want him sn- <laughs> we want him sniffing around the title. Um, and Ryan, I've talked to you about this. I mean, you know, Theory's been around, um, but he hasn't really been used maybe to the extent that the intention was when he won that money in the bank. So um, let's get this Scarlet character over as the Jezebel 
that she is. Um, let's have Theory come back on SmackDown, um, start flaunting that tie- that briefcase around, and then let's have Scarlet corner him in the back and seduce him to an extent that he is um, talked into putting that briefcase on the line against the Carrion Cross, um, whether that's at the castle, whether that's um, on a SmackDown to kind of have a main event. Um, and let's get that briefcase on him instead. And then you can kind of rebuild theory without the pressure of that briefcase being on him. Um, and then ultimately you kind of figure out that, you know, inside that contract is only the ability to win one title. Um, and then, you know, I'm not saying that we should have him take a title off of a McIntyre if he was to win it in the castle or have him pin a reins. But maybe there's a way that they can creatively get a title off of him with off of whoever's going to be the champion um, with that briefcase in a way that it doesn't take both titles away. Um, and that is a way to get a title on cross um, and kind of do what they're going to do with him that way. Um, and ultimately, just kind of that's a way to kind of put everything together, make Scarlet's role kind of I mean, she did that with Regal a few times. So it's definitely in their their trick bag. Um, definitely something I could see happening and, and it was a way for them to kind of reset theory from there. Not bad, not bad, but just to remind you, only the money bank briefcase can change in the court of law as was, we learned with the Miz and Otis. So just wanted to remind, <laughs> remind you of that one, <laughs> but yeah, that's not bad. Um, oof, I would, I wouldn't take it off theory personally. I think it's, I would just kind of redirect his energy with it. And I still think there's an advocate role in theory and whatever. But anyway, so overall, I think I think I'm looking forward to the face to face. I'm looking forward to this match. Would I hate a triple threat and save the Roman Drew match? I don't know. I kind of want to I kind of want to see it, but I, 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 I'd be interested. That's a part of the reclamation plan in the, the energy Triple H is going to put into cross. If he can, I would trust that he could possibly maybe make that work. But anyways, we all again, the Raw Women's Division, we hit that heavy when we were talking about the SummerSlam review and we were talking about the returns. So in a nutshell, the vibe was that Keller reports that he reached out to his source within the WWE and asked if Vince McMahon had plans to change Becky Lynch to a babyface at SummerSlam. And Keller reported that the source indicated to him that there was no change and that was a Triple H call. So the field goal post is starting to straighten out there. And unfortunately, Becky has her, her separated shoulder. Hell of a performance for her with a separated shoulder in that match. But it, honestly, it's not bad timing for her to go away. It's not Rumble season. It's not even Survivor Series season. It's kind of draft season at the tail end of the season. She had a great season. Her team's not making the playoffs. Let's rest her up for next year. Kind of want you know, a little of those vibes. Marcus, what's a separated shoulder? Two months? Three months? Yeah, yeah, I think I think it depends on how bad the separation is and and how you want to go about getting repaired. But uh, yeah, I would think she's going to be back uh, shortly. You know, after it's time to shake things up, I I would think October-ish. It's also a great time uh, for her to be gone. Just um, you know, it's it's like having having your old quarterback around the the new quarterback. You know, like Bianca has the range; she's the clear number one. You know, kind of you know have have Becky go away for a little bit and, and let Bianca fully take control of this women's division as the top face. And then, you know, then you can bring Becky back in, in whatever manner you want to. 
All right, so hey, Rossi, on Raw this last week, they actually announced the six women tag of Alexa, Bianca, and Asuka versus Bailey's three-way. Before we get into the women's tag team title, is there a chance that the women's tag team title is going to be decided at the castle? And they kind of tipped their hand a little bit here by announcing this six-woman tag match at the castle, too. Did I see that, that, the, that the castle is going to have that, or did I read that wrong? Um, I don't think they said it, and I was looking for that because when they announced that six woman, it definitely had me thinking a lot of the same vibes. Um, but so think of it. I mean, you've got eight teams, so that's four first round matchups. Um, you should be out of the first round by the end of the next week because it seems like it's clearly set up raw on one side, SmackDown on the other. So then you're at the point where you're able to get um, what? What would that be? That would lead us to the week before the go home show where you can do the semifinals. I could see the go-home show being something that, um, well, is that that go-home show might be a tape show, though, because are they going to, I would assume they're going to not, I'd have to look at that. Um, I don't know if, if they're going to jump the water, um, you know, after doing a show in the U.S., but yeah, maybe they do the finals on that Raw um, before the, the show, um, and or they hold it to the Raw maybe after, and um, that could be kind of a way to do it. I mean, obviously, it's only going to be one of those teams in that final um, if they go that route, which they would have to go that route unless they job out um, Oscar and Alexa to who do we sue? Their opponents were Dewdrop and Nikki Cross. But again, that's where the car accident might come into play. Um, so I'm cautiously optimistic we might get something that cool happens out of that car accident. I've mentioned it six times now, probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is kind of weird timing to have a six-man when they're in the midst of a possible semifinals matchup, you know, the week before that, you know? So, Marcus, these these eight teams are Tamina and Dana Brooke. They're gone. Io Shirai and Dakota Kai, they're in the semifinals. Asuka and Alexa Bliss versus Dewdrop and Nikki Ash. That's the Raw side of things. And the SmackDown side of things, you have Raquel Gonzalez, Raquel Gon- whatever, Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah. Xia Lee and Shotzi, Natalia and Sonya Deville, and Team NXT of Nikita Lyons and Zoe Starks, which is kind of a weird team. Marcus, now on the women's side of that, where do you, who do you like? What do you see? If you're a betting man, where are you throwing that FanDuel money down on? Uh, I am a betting man, and I would be throwing all my ducats down on Dakota Kai and EO Sky. Um, none of the other teams even make sense to me. Um <laughs> So I don't even know why I, I know Triple H is an old school guy and we love tournaments, but oof, maybe there should have been a four team tournament. Um, but I think the exciting part for me is hopefully coming out of this uh, kind of like the original SmackDown tag team titles back in 2002. Um, hopefully we get just some good feud spinning out of this, whether it's, you know, partners, uh, you know, who you know, they're upset at each other because they lost. Uh, so, you know, so maybe, you know, we get a Zaylee Shotzi feud, uh, you get us through a couple weeks, maybe a, a team starts to gel and they try to work, you know, become a regular team. Um, it was that Sonia and, uh, Natty. Yeah. yeah I, I could definitely see that being a team, uh, you know, going through the fall. So I think there's maybe some potential here to team up some people and just see what sticks. But, um, you know, mostly I think let's just expedite this and get these titles on Dakota Kai and Io Shirai slash Sky. Yeah. 
Now, Rossi, on the SmackDown side of things, is there any teams that intrigue you, not including Team NXT? (laughs) So I I look at Triple H, the way Triple H booked the NXT women's titles um, when they first came in, and it was really, it was Raquel and Dakota as just kind of a way to kind of, I don't know, almost feel like that was all to make Raquel seem like like a bigger star um, and get a belt on her at a time when she didn't have a singles. Um, I don't know. There's something in the back of my mind about that Shotzi and Zia Lee versus um, Aaliyah and Raquel Gonzalez match. I feel like Aaliyah's somebody that is, you know, that Triple H wants to do something with because he worked with her for what feels like a hundred years in NXT. <laughs> and Raquel is obviously the one that is, would be the star of that team. I definitely see if, if everything stays the way that it is, um, Sonya and Natty against Raquel and Aaliyah, natural babyface heel match. Um, and Zia Lee and Shotzi, either one of them can take a pin at this point. Um, so I, and I like to what Marker just said, I could see the Natty Sonya team winning the thing. I almost feel like there's a lane here that the whoever doesn't win the, the singles match between Dakota Kai and EO Sky against um, Oscar and Alexa, whoever doesn't win that screws the other out of the finals as they lead up to that pay-per-view. So maybe there is a lane where a Raquel and a Aaliyah get elevated to that point. And really in just a way to, elevate Raquel and have her like carry a leer along for the ride. Um, it, it, it wouldn't shock me. And it, it, that's the side of the bracket that interests me. Now, at the same time, I could also see any, anybody on that side of the bracket get taken out and replaced by another team, um, whether it's like a toxic attraction coming up or something like that. Um, so there's definitely some options you have on that side, but it wouldn't surprise me if they are throwing darts and they're trying to bring one of those up to another level Sonya and Natty, let's let's get right to it. If they're going to bring a Sasha and they're going to bring a Naomi back to confront the winners of this tournament, it makes the most sense for that to be Natty and Sonya because I don't think you're going to want to bring Sasha back and go right into a program with Bailey's guys, Bailey's girls. So if that's the route that we're going to go, the Sonya and Natty team starts to look like the favorite for me. If that's the route that they're going. Woof. Not yet. <laughs> but um, now, Marcus. We haven't talked about Sasha Banks, so we kind of have to hit our quota. That's kind of been a, a subject throughout. Do you see Sasha and Naomi falling for a – like replacing a team throughout the tournament? Or do you just see them walking out at the end of the tournament and be like, bitches, you got our titles in a nice way? Or do you not see any smoke with them to returning? Uh, I don't see any smoke. Um, really? Yeah, I I just think now's the time. Um you know, there there are other places to work, uh, whether that is internationally or nationally. Um, and if you have a conditional release, which has been rumored, uh, you know, effective in January is the full release. Um, you know, Triple H in charge doesn't seem to be going anywhere. You know, he's going to be in that seat for quite a while. I don't see a reason to rush, especially when so many other people are getting brought back too. um, you know, they, they had some gripes, uh, definitely. And I don't know if all those gripes went away necessarily because Vince uh, went away. Um, no. I, 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 I kind of got to see it to believe it. But if, if I was in their shoes, but at the same time, 
Um, you know, Sasha Banks is a big get. Naomi's a big get. And if you can make it happen, you know, you don't want those stars walking out the door. I hear you. I hear you. It's just that 26 months left on Sasha's contract and all the licensing that she's tied into, pillar of that division, Hall of first ballot Hall of Famer. I just don't see them letting that go without a real rock fight. And I don't know. There's there's so much equity there. I I I, I hard to believe me see her leaving just be, because of how the contracts are structured and she and her having 26 months left. But we've been through that down the line, and oh, I could see him returning at the end. But then again, I don't know. Does, does Triple H want to even deal with their headache? I could see Naomi returning eventually, though. You know, even they don't have to be paired together. It's not like they're a traditional tag team. They were kind mm-hmm. of a makeshift, makeshift tag team because they were kind of people that they were really not into, and they just threw them together to get them on the card <laughs> to be real, which is what they do. Anyways, either of you have any more thing to say about this tag team division before we move on? I don't. No, I don't. I mean, just the Sasha thing, all I can say is she was a pain in the ass to Vince. She was a pain in the ass to Johnny Ace. They're both gone. Um, I don't think she was ever a pain in the ass to, to Triple H, but, you know, I always felt like her relationship with the Stephanies and the Triple H's of the world were never the issue. So I could see there being, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel for her. Um, and you know, it's very interesting to see, and it's kind of the, kind of the thing that's, I feel like the timing of this tournament, if, if they're coming back or not, is perfect because you're constantly looking over your shoulder to see if they're going to be there. Yeah, Marcus, we, we didn't mention Stephanie, Stephanie being a female in that, in that kind of seat is actually kind of a wild card. I never really considered until you kind of mentioned her name, Rossi. What about you, Marcus, before we jump off this? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just not buying it. Um, yeah, I just if if I'm them and I have a conditional release, if that is if that is true, if if there are terms um, with them being away f- for now, um, you know, I'm taking the wait and see approach. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Well, it's interesting, and I don't honestly, I don't want to know. I want her to appear where she's appearing next on a surprise. I like her to appear in the WWE as a surprise. I don't want to know. All right. So Riddle is returning this Monday night on Raw. It's been a nice break to kind of as for his character to reset to go away. Uh, with Triple H now in charge of his character, I I, I think I'm going to see a more focused. That's a more focused riddle, a more energized riddle, a more a little like with a mean demeanor with that kind of little still having that smoker vibe or that stoner vibe in a way. So I think with Triple H at the helm, the it's a really good spot to elevate him. I think he could have got elevated regardless, but with Triple H in charge, do you think that elevation would kind of stick a little bit? I know you talked a little bit about it earlier, Marcus. You just kind of want to put your stamp on Riddle's approval here. Yeah, I'll, I'll triple stamp the double stamp. Um, you know, he, he seems to be a Triple H uh, dude. He is that MMA wrestling hybrid that um, I think the company's been looking for really since Kurt Angle left. Um, yeah. And I mean, he's got he showed you he has the marketability. He shows you that he can be a a complete sports entertainer. He can do the goofy stuff. Um, You know, he can he can even work on the fly when he forgets his lines backstage. Um, And now we're seeing him uh, tap into, you know, that pissed off stoner role um, and seeing that that aggression and uh, that sense of danger that he can bring uh, with the MMA background and uh, just, you know, that baby face fire and passion. So, um you know, I think Riddle and this version, I mean, give me this version of Riddle. I can definitely see this version of Riddle beating Roman Reigns. 
for sure. Now, I'm not a weed guy, Marcus, but do you think that they meet, make like mean strains? You know how they have the goofy strains and all the weed strains. You think they can make a strain? And you think there's potential of character jokes for him to be like, this, he takes a different strain of weed that makes him more focused and mad. <laughs> so we get a little goofy still, but it's like a focus goofy. It is strange. If I, if I use the right verbiage here, I'm not a weed guy. I'm not a weed guy either. Um, but I know who is. <laughs> Well then, let me come out of the let me come out of the bullpen here. Um, so there is no there there's no angry strain. I, I think that it's cute. There is definitely ones that make you sleepy, and there's definitely ones that make you more energetic. So I mean, he could get that like 35 percent energetic sativa, and you know, come out and be not as goofy and ready to run through a wall. So you're not completely off with this, Ryan. You you use the good the good uh, verbiage with the word strain. Um, I'm pretty Pretty proud of you there, buddy. All right, well, let's let's toke one back for the first time ever. Me next time we see each other, maybe yeah, maybe, maybe not, not a, not not a wee guy, not a wee guy. But Rossi, Rollins went on and faced the Street Profits on back to back Raws here. I really like the Montez match. I really like the D'Angelo match. I like how they were separate, how the Street Profits were presented as separates, but they were still together. I'm not sure where the Street Profits are going, but I really like utilizing Rollins in that role. To put two tag team guys with big upside in there to deliver, I want to say main event match quality. What do you think, Rossi? Yeah, I I can't say enough about Angelo Dawkins this year. I mean, everybody gives all the love to Montez Ford and for good reason. Mm -hmm. But Angelo Dawkins has turned it up a level in the last three or four months. I mean, I really thought that that Money in the Bank match, you know, Montez was awesome. But I thought Dawkins was like by far and away the best performance of his career. And he just seems to have turned the lever um, in the last, you know, like I said, six months or so. Um, I, I think it would be a shame if they broke this team up. I think that there's legs with them. Maybe if they turn them heel um, or if they do something different with them, I feel like the split was definitely going to happen with Vince and it might not happen now, or at least might, might be a little bit more drawn out when it happens. Um, Montez has kind of had that like, disappointed vibe to him but not at his partner at himself uh so the the like whenever that happens obviously you can think about the turn happening but i feel like one of the things that triple h would do is like shit i have a really good team here i need to rejuvenate this tag team i need division i need to you know put some teams together that, that aren't together now why would i take this team away um unless i'm fully ready to go forward with that montez forward push and i just don't see it happening right now um, you've got one title popping around. You've got a guy like Gunther with one title and a guy like Walt um, uh, Lashley with the other. Um, those are mid-card champions that could be world champions. So I don't see where Montez fits in as a singles role now. Um, so don't break them up yet. Keep them together. And these two are so good together. Um, they're great for the crowd, but if they're going to be heels, they're going to be great at that too. Um, these matches have been awesome. I am a huge fan of Rollins, as you know. Um, I think that this like semi like crazy gimmick that he's playing has worked awesome. Um, everything that he's done in these last two weeks without Riddle around has been great. Um, the promos are goofy, but he's able to you know make it work for him, and it really is a good ying to the Riddle gang. Um, I can't say enough good about these segments on Raw these last two weeks, and even watch Raw talk after. 
um, the, the, the Montez match, and they had a really cool backstage segment with Montez and Dawkins there, where there was no sign of dissension. It was just that they were pissed off about what was happening to them, and they were refocused. So super excited to see what they end up doing with them. I really just hope they don't break them up yet. Yeah, now this is an example of meaningful filler. We're moving two stories here. We're establishing Rollins with, by beating two mid-card guys, but whatever. He's still winning, and it's like a mini storyline. It adds to the street profits. It adds credibility to Rollins, who may be losing to Riddle at Castle, which is a good thing. But Rollins is bulletproof, but why not add some juice to him with some raw wins in meaningful, very good filler. Now, Marcus, would you consider this good filler that we talked about earlier in focus filler? I want to say not good filler because Vince can throw good filler out there, but this is good focused filler. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Like this is, this is a TV program. Like this is, this yeah. is like some mechanic work. Like, um, you know, we know the bit, the big angle, the big money is in Riddle and Rollins, but you know, if we're going to keep Riddle off TV or we want to keep those guys separated until the pay-per-view or the premium live event, uh, excuse me, pal, then let's do this. Like, this is interesting. This is episodic. Uh, and, and you're telling multiple stories here and you're getting a lot of stuff done. Um, you know, there was a tease with the street profits. There was Montez Ford's body language in the SummerSlam match, which was very heelish in his reactions, uh, his frustrations with Jeff Jarrett and, and so on and so forth. Like everything seemed to be pointing towards a heel turn. They seemed to maybe back off that a little bit, but just like, you know, I guess paint as, as more frustration and they're in a funk and uh, they're refocused now. Um, I don't want to see these guys break up, um, you know, and I think the New Day proved like they broke the mold. Like you can keep a group together and still have one of them be main eventers um, and not have to break the group up and get rid of all that marketing, like keep them together um, and, and just see see what happens. And. As far as Rollins goes, um, he has quietly been paying a lot of that equity back that they put into him um, for the last couple of years now. Um, you know, I, I think he did go on a bit of a run there during the pandemic in 2020. He did a lot of winning, but you know, since 21, really since the WrestleMania match with Claudio, like he's been doing a lot of losing. So this is a good way to get him some meaningful TV wins, and and I wouldn't say heat him back up, but um, at some point, like you got to get the one, two, three, and even as bulletproof as Seth Rollins is, because you know they've put so much like equity into him again. Um, you know, you got to prove that hey, this guy is a main eventer, and and even going up against you know two two baby faces, uh, a strong tag team, uh, when he gets them in singles competition, he's he's just playing better than them. Yeah, and this is an example of Triple H understanding how wrestling works. What's he? There's a lot of equity in rounds, like we talked about. Let's let's just give him some wins to put some shine on it. All right, so this is the last thing we're going to hit before we get quick. But the U.S. title scene is just a great example of all the examples I gave earlier about Triple H. This is where I want to get into detail and just really appreciate the, and the upside of what Triple H could bring to a table as a head booker. All right, so the U.S. title direction. Great stuff the last two weeks. Four matches focused around the U.S. title a pre-recorded video package, a few online slash or on Raw promos that really shined up the U.S. title scene, 
while adding depth and credibility to characters in meaningful and starting moving storylines. Excellent stuff. Rossi, with the whole Chiampa thing, if it's the triple threat match with um, Chad Gable and Dolph Ziggler, and if it's the awesome AJ Styles match at the end of Raw, if it's that awesome promo, on, I think on your show, Talking Smack, or, t- or Raw Talk, whatever the fuck you watch afterwards. But anyways, it, it read, it's energized on social media afterwards. And then it's if it's the focus on pulling the race card and the focus on Harley Race and the this prestige of the U.S. title, the JBL video pre-recorded packages, and it's really equity put into Tommaso Ciampa while he's a quote-unquote lackey to The Miz who is losing all the goddamn time, who is just shining up everyone, who does nothing but just lose, but is always on TV, but he's a constant mid-carder, right? So Chiapa is his lackey. So Chiapa is not in the greatest spot, but this is a beautiful way to put focus on him and accelerate that storyline. Because at the end of the day, Miz is going to turn on Chiampa or Chiampa is going to turn on Miz and they're not going to, that's how the world works. Rossi, how has this U S title stuff been to you? I loved it. Um, and, and the, the race stuff is uh, Harley race stuff. It was such a triple H thing. And to me, like, I don't think that's something that ever happens under Vince either. Um, that's a, that's, you know, somebody that, you know, triple H probably idolized too. Um, but the story's there and it was such a baby face thing for a heel to do. Um, but I really think a lot of it was to kind of put the stink on the fact that maybe Ciampa was going to beat Lashley because they were putting that all behind it. Um, but that match was was awesome. I mean, that last like three minutes of that thing was electric. I mean, you there was a they they had me like two or three times that Ciampa had that thing won. Um, and, you know, the way that it all happened with the distraction, there was an awesome missed opportunity or an awesome um, near fall there. Um, they really just heated up at the end of there. And I mean, this was like. I've been kind of critical with Bobby Lashley that he really only looks good in, you know, squash matches against smaller guys. And he really like is energized by those um, like Haas bet matches like a Brock or, or a Reigns or whatever, you know, he could be doing. But I mean, this was really good Bobby Lashley on Monday night. And this is a guy that now I'm, I'm ready to see bring back the U.S. Open challenge for him let him run through some of these smaller guys and he's got the star power and he's got the, the size to him that if he was to beat a Dolph Ziggler, if he was to beat a Chad Gable, if he was to beat a Ricochet, if they did a crossover, it's nothing that would make those guys look bad because he's supposed to beat those guys. So give them like energized focus matches, build up the prestige of that title until you have somebody that's ready to take it from them. And, Boom, there you are. Um, the U.S. titles meant so much more in the last two weeks than it has in I don't know how long. And all the while, while over on SmackDown, we're making that IC title look awesome, too. That's the one thing that I will say, as much as I really have liked uh, or wish that they kept those world titles separate or split them up after they did put them together, um, I definitely feel like they have in the last month or so really done a good job of rejuvenating the IC and the U.S. title and making those titles feel important again. And now when we put like a Survivor Series card together or a WrestleMania card together and we put all those titles on the line or all those titles in matches, it's going to feel like a deeper show now than it did when you had guys like Ricochet running around with the title that really was just out there to pop the crowd. You know what I mean? 
I I'm a big fan of uh, Big Bob Lashley. Um, I think they really figured out his presentation uh, going back to the Hurt Business. Uh, I I wish MVP was still with them. I didn't think he needed to to turn Lashley heel necessary um, to turn him babyface. But even if if he is going to be a babyface, I, I didn't think he needed to turn MVP heel. Um, I do understand like going with, over with Amos and helping him out. But uh, you know, regardless of all that. Uh, Big Bob Lashley is a player to me, um, major player, big time. And, I mean, I'm all here for this revitalized U.S. title. Uh, again, you're adding depth to the division by making guys legitimate. Uh, you know, Champ is now a, a player. He can get some wins. Uh, he, he's a threat. And um, I really, really want to see U.S. champion Bob Lashley versus Roman Reigns at the Survivor Series. Yeah, perfect spot for that. Let's get it. All right, so let's hit these quick hitters that I got lined up real quick. And it wouldn't be – I'm just going to – it's kind of like a name association with the feud, and then you guys kind of just react. Uh, you know who you're assigned, and Liv Morgan and Shayna Baszler is assigned to someone's very special to our heart. Liv Morgan's number one fan, Marcus like I'm 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 overlived too. Uh, let's say you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, she's a, a dang near 30 year old woman playing a, a, a I don't know an all struck teenage girl. I don't I don't understand it. It's not for me. Uh, I've made my feelings about her character known. Um, if you're not familiar, I'm <laughs> I'm currently not a fan and haven't been for quite a while. Um, I hope that with all the retooling going on and all the extra character work going on, that her character gets fine-tuned um, and, and she just gets something with more confidence and, and something, uh, you know, that, that embraces conflict uh, a bit more. Uh, but that said, Dad's home, Triple H is in charge, and it's time to get this belt on Shayna Baszler, and it's time to present her like... Um, the monster, the wrecking ball that she actually is. Uh, you know, I don't know if you can recapture that lightning in a bottle from the NXT run, because having gone back and watched that for war with JT, um, that's an all-time great run of anybody in the company. Uh, she she had such a great collection of matches, and the story being told throughout her reigns was really just phenomenal work. So, I mean, if you can even recapture half of that, that's still a significant upgrade over what we currently have in the women's division on SmackDown. Yeah, real quick, Shayna was like a vulnerable, dominant champion in a way. You know, yes. just that mix was really cool and special. All right, so Rossi, Judgment Day, Mysterios. I really like that angle with Mysterios versus Usos two weeks ago with the spear on Dom at the end with Edge. And then this week, you had that really good Finn Balor Mysterio match with the Dom. <laughs> no pun intended, with <laughs> Dom and Rhea um, kind of mixing, mixing that up there. I think Judgment Day is trash, but they're kind of refocused. It's a, you know, they're merging the Mysterio buzz and then that kind of sinking edge where he should be and, you know, short and sweet, get him out of that heel role and get him focused. I know a lot of these guys, you really dig Rossi. So I think, is this salvageable? And is is it right for me to feel optimistic about Judgment Day? I feel like they need a leader. Um, because Finn and Priest have kind of always been guys that I feel like 
they want to do something with, but they never want to go all the way with. Um, and it's just like the way I just, my biggest gripe of SummerSlam was how they jobbed out again. Like if you, it, you job them out to the Mysterios literally twice in a week, cause they job to them on the MSG, um, Ray celebration. And then they come back and have them lose again. And I get when they lost the second time, it was because edge was coming back and edge screwed them. You could have done that post-match though. Because why am I to believe that anybody, Priest and Finn, is credible enough to beat Edge on their own? Um, Finn couldn't even beat Ray in his own without um, the distraction of Rhea Ripley dragging Dominic's corpse out to distract Ray. Um, which brings me to another point. Ray and Dom just beat Judgment Day twice, and now Dom's getting the shit kicked out of him every week by a woman. And that's not me being sexist. But how am I going to ever think that he's going to be able to beat, um, you know, Priest in a singles match? Now, they didn't show him get beat up. So maybe this is a way that they do a turn with him. I don't know. I feel like that's a turn. I feel like that's a turn that um, never is going to happen at this point. But they did mention a few times that, you know, how what happened to him? Did he get hit by a car? Like what 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 was going on? Um, they never really showed it. So maybe that is kind of a, something that they're going to curveball us with. Um, but, you know, Edge comes out, runs off Priest. They're going to have a match in Toronto in two weeks. Do we then do him and Finn at the Clash and then just kill off Judgment Day for good? Um, I feel like if they do anything good with Judgment Day at this point, it should be to really get Rhea heated up. But there, I don't know. Is she even able to do singles matches now? I know she had the, the head injury and the heart issue. So... I'm curious where they go because I like all three of them, but they really haven't done a good job of giving either side of these two teams momentum at all during this. Um, the the Mysterios have a good match against the Usos. Then Edge comes in and clears out um, Dominic, makes him look like an idiot, have to get choked out in the corner by Rhea. Um, and then Dom comes out the next week, thrown, thrown to the Wolves again. Um, nobody's really looked good. There's been no consistency in this storyline at all, in my opinion. Um, but the, the abilities there, if they just decide they want to go with it, um, Finn couldn't beat Ray without distraction. Priest hasn't won a singles match. It feels like in forever. Um, let's see what happens with, with, with it. But I almost feel like they need a leader now to refocus judgment day. And it sucks because Finn's good enough to talk on his own and be the leader, but it just doesn't seem like they're ready to go the full um, gambit with these two guys as, you know, people they are going to push right now, which I would have thought would have happened with Triple H, but maybe Triple H just doesn't know how to handle this weird gimmick, you know? Well, I understand your gripes with the finishes, but all your gripes move the story. So the story is developing, and if the Judgment Day ends up on top at the end of it, then so be it. You know, at the end of the day, we know that Triple H is a Finn Balor guy. He pushed him twice in NXT very hard and very well. So if maybe they work out the the kinks within this Judgment Day, there's some equity there. The name's cool. The, the, the optics of the entrance is cool. The look's cool. It's just the substance is kind of flat right now. And I'm not a spooky guy, but I don't know. I feel like it could work. Maybe this is a Bray Wyatt lane in a way. I don't, I don't know. But adding a character could be a leader. But if Finn puts the Judgment Day on the line and because Edge's goal is to end the Judgment Day. So if Finn puts the Judgment Day on the line and, and theoretically beats Edge, that would 
propel him to be the leader. So that's another lane too, where we're kind of muddy, but it's a, it's a moment where Finn wins and then he's propelled, but that's, where does that leave edge? And it's just kind of, it's just too many moving parts and too many vulnerable characters. And I don't know. It's, it's not shit, but it's not great. Anyways, Marcus, you were gushing earlier about the U S title. Gunther Nakamura this Friday night on SmackDown. Now with Triple H in charge, these are two Triple H guys that would go out there and deliver bangers for him in NXT. But on the main roster, these guys under Vince are very, hey, remember that 100% rule that I was doing earlier? Vince is good at pushing the guy with 100% focus. He doesn't really do a good job of spreading up the focus. Is Triple H going to go out there and structure this match to deliver on like a banger level? I'm not saying NXT. I know you're not an NXT guy, so you might be throwing rocks at me after I say that. But these are NXT guys with Triple H. Will Triple H structure this match where we'll go out and deliver like quote unquote work rate rise? Or is it one to be a focus to kind of just elevate Gunther? What would you do and what do you expect? I think these guys are going to go out there and give a, a really excellent match. Um, but still um, leave just a little bit on the bone. Uh, because I think Gunther slash Walter is, is going to retain. Uh, there might be some chicanery here. Um, I think there's going to be at least one more uh, big match between these two. And, I mean, this is a big-time, like, international dream match. So, yeah, um, you know, cool I, 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 yeah I think I think they're going to come back to this well again. But I am expecting a, you know, maybe even a, a TV match of the year. It might be a little, little far, but you know, match of the month at least uh, would be my expectation for these two on SmackDown. Very cool. I'm I'm optimistic for it. I'm looking forward to it. They presented it really well. And the way that they presented the U.S. title and the way that Triple H has like man crushes on these two guys, I have high hopes for it. And I'm very intrigued on how it's structured and how it, the presentation of all this is delivered to us, the fans. All right. So real quick, two more each, guys. The Usos, what's next for them, Rossi? And how entertaining was Sammy within that whole little skit? And perhaps could it be Sammy and maybe a buddy? Like, I thought maybe a buddy before Raw, but a new focus on KO on Raw, is that still going to be kind of Sammy's lane? And, or are we going to get a tag team out of nowhere? What do you think, Rossi? Yeah, I mean, as we were wa- as I watched Raw and, like, you know, I knew that that was your thought um, about possibly going KO and Zane against them. Um, that would have been really good if, if that was KO's return to TV. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe that's why they did it this week. And, and I, I fully feel like the layout of Ezekiel was to just get him off TV and then bring Elias back. Um, but I mean, because he killed that guy. Uh, so but maybe it was a way to make us think that, um, you know, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't going to be there for Zane, and then he saves him, like, this week or next week, you know. Um, but I don't really think that. I think you're more likely to maybe get a ricochet involved with Zane if we're going to do that. Um, and the only reason I say that is it seemed like the ricochet going over Corbin in a long match on SmackDown kind of came out of nowhere. And it almost felt like a way to kind of reposition him for something more important down the road. And I don't think we're going to go right back to him in the IC picture because he was just there. And I really don't think that this is going to be a one and done for Nakamura and and Gunther. I feel like they might have a couple um, or at least something bigger for Gunther at the castle than a uh, Ricochet. But ultimately, Ricochet and Zayn have a little bit of history. 
Um, that could be a way that, you know, he saves them from something for one reason or the other. Um, that's where my bet is if Zane's going to have a partner against them. And I really don't think that there's any other team that can have an Usos match at the castle yet. I don't think that you're going to go back to a new day so quick. I don't think you're, you're really ready to do it with the Viking Raiders yet. So that's going to be my guess is that Zane does need to get a partner and it might not happen right away, but he finds it in a, in a guy like Ricochet. Maybe, oh, maybe Madcap Moss as a, he has a reach there, but I feel like it's going to end up being with Zane and some sort of random tag team. And then maybe that doesn't work. And then KO comes and saves them for the following month or something. I just feel like maybe they're trying to keep KO into that like heel monster push that he first had when he debuted in NXT, you know? Prize fighter. Yeah. When he, as soon as he was the prize fighter, I was like, yeah, forget about the Zane, the Zane stuff. I wouldn't rule out Gulak there, Marcus, your boy. I wouldn't rule Gulak out as a Sammy partner. That would be kind of cool. Optically, I can kind of see them together. Real quick, do you, what do you think? I know he's your boy. Uh, I think that'd be entertaining television. I'd be down to see them uh, interact. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm all for it. All right. So my last thing real quick. We hit theory early, Marcus. Uh, you kind of tweaked his character. Rossi brings up Madcap. One, thoughts on Madcap. He's kind of a man crushing me. I'm sensitive. Be, be wary of that. And number two, is he a Triple H guy? You know, I know he's a PC heavyweight like Bianca was. He's a he's a he's a uh, combine killer in a way. So what do you, what's your thoughts on Madcap? Tread easily. And where do you see him under Triple H's thumb? Uh, Madcap is like uh, eight by ten world champion. I mean, the dude looks phenomenal. Mark, uh, come back anytime you want, buddy. <laughs> but uh, brother needs a gimmick. Got to got to give me some sports entertainment. He, he does, does have he has this, lane, He has some kind of connection with the crowd. Um, you know, and I think to Baron Corbin's credit, I mean, I'm a Baron Corbin dude. Uh, you know, I, I, I think he's got a a lot of positives and a lot of stuff. He, uh, contributes to the show. Uh, one of those things is being so consistent. Uh, he's able to get a guy like Madcap Moss. I can't believe I said his name. It's ridiculous, but (laughs) yeah, uh, get this guy actual name that makes sense. Um, he's got a, a killer look. Uh, I mean, he's athletically adequate in, the, in well. the ring. Um, I mean, yeah, for being a, a big jacked up muscle dude, I mean, you could you could do a lot worse. Um, you know, he's he might need to change his look. I don't know if his hair, something. Um, color, you know. I I could I could see uh, when Braun Breaker gets the call up. Um, I could see there, you know, maybe Madcap goes away because I think those two have a very similar look. Uh, and Braun is just much more colorful and looks more like a sports entertainer, uh, you know, just more marketable. Uh, so, yeah, I think Madcap really needs to find something real quick because, uh, you know, the, the replacements are coming. And I'd hate to see him get replaced before he gets, um, I'd say, a fair shot, but uh, before he gets his play. Hey, homie pulled Emma. So, you know, good, kudos. Yeah. On, kudos on Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. All right. NXT Heat Wave is this Wednesday real quick, guys. I'm just going to run down the card, and then you guys tell me which card you're most anticipating, and then a little bit how you feel on NXT. Braun Breaker versus J.D. McDonough for the NXT title. Mandy Rose with Toxic Attraction versus Doe Starks for the NXT women's title. Cora Jane versus Roxanne Perez. Roxanne Perez with the Mega Power Explodes. Um, that's Rossi's girls. 
Carmelo Hayes versus Giovanni Vinci for the North American title. And then Tony D'Angelo versus Santos Escobar in a street fight. If Escobar wins, Ladagato del Fantasma is free from the D'Angelo family. And if D- Tony D wins, Escobar is banned forever on 2.0, swimming with the fishes. Marcus, are you in NXT? where are you on NXT 2.0? And which out of these five matches, which one do you anticipate enjoying the most? Um, I'm still actively out on 2.0. Um, you know, uh, it's just, it's just not for me, but, uh, I am interested in some of the new characters being developed. And anytime you get like characters intersecting with other characters, you wouldn't expect, uh, that's really my avenue. So this whole Santos Escobar and and D'Angelo thing, uh, that's been my cup of tea, brother. And, uh, I'm looking forward to that blow off. Yeah, brother, come on, give me a sleep with the fishes. Come on, you got an idea. Uh, sleeping with the fishes. Not bad, not bad. 6.1. Rookie. All right, thank you. <laughs> Rossi, <laughs> I know these two women matches are right up your alley. Which I, Is this the end of the road for Mandy? And then who's winning the Perez in the Jade match? I think Jade has to win um, just because I feel like there were, this is not going to be the first one. And I feel like it's going to be multiple, maybe like two, three months of this. Um, which it should be. I mean, you're probably going to see these two at each other's throats for the next 10 years. Um, so they really feel like like the, the Bailey and Sasha of 2.0. Like they're obviously not at that level yet, but they're going to be the ones that kind of carry the female programming for a while. I thought Zoe was going to win um, until they ended NXT with her holding the title up. Um, it's so rare in, in this day and age of TV that, you know, the person that holds the title up before the show ends up leaving with the title. Um, it also feels like it's going to be a quick turnaround because I think there's talk of a of a takeover like show the weekend of the castle. Um, I don't know if that's official or not yet, but if that's the case, that's probably when you do the women's title change and not now. Um, I, I'm I just kind of I hate to say I'm, I'm anticipating everything. I am most anticipating Cora and um, Roxanne. But I really like the idea of Vinci and um, yeah uh, Carmelo. I think that's an awesome match. And, Two heelish guys, too. Yeah, and I really think that, I mean, I love, obviously, Carmelo. I, I have. He's he's a local guy for me. So um, I, I've always liked him, and, and I've, I feel like the sky's the limit for him. Um, and, and I will say I'm disappointed by the build for the um, J.D. McDonough yeah, uh, Braun Breaker weird. match. But once the bell rings, it should be good. So I'm not too upset about it. I feel like Braun's missing something right now. Um, and I feel like it was all because of that feud he was in with, um, what's his name? I can't think of his uh, gimmick uh, name now. Uh, Joe Gacy. Joe Gacy. So uh, it's actually the same one. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, there's there's definitely something missing with Braun right now. And I hope that it comes out in this feud. Um, the Grimes match was fine, but everything between the lines when they get matched, the matches really hasn't been great so far. And they need to figure out a way to find that in him again, because it's really been the fire. And, and maybe it was just the thing that, you know, he was better off on the chase than he was, you know, when he has the title, but we'll see. Um, but I got to say Roxanne and Cora, um, I do expect Cora to take the first one and them come back with a quick rematch and, and, you know, they'll be doing this forever. It would be pretty bold of NXT 2.0 to run like a quote unquote takeover show against all all in, <laughs> you know what I mean, or all out, whatever it is. So that would that would totally be ballsy of of Triple H, but to the core, it's his move. 
You know what I mean? So, anyways, I'm interested in, in NXT 2.0. Like Marcus said, it's I'm not my teeth aren't fully synced in, but I'm nibbling and I'm intrigued. I like I like the characters. All right, so I'm stealing Rock Marcus. You came in demanded to steal Marcus. I'm a big fan of Thing of the Week. I'm not coming on the show unless if you give me your gimmick. I was like, well, okay, Marcus, uh, I you got demands. You can take it. Rocco's not here, so I'm going to steal his gimmick. You know, I don't – Marcus, you got a few inches on me, buddy. I'm not looking to fight you. You know, whatever. I, I did. I took to his demands. So my thing of the week is Rocco's – Ryan's rambling nonsense of whatever. <laughs> Rossi, we went to, not together, but we were at AEW two weeks ago in Worcester. It was the, Jesus, I was going to say Jericho, but we heard Judas about 65 fucking times. And and I love Matt Martell, but appreciation, I kept hearing that. And I I wasn't a Matt Martell guy after that anyway. (laughs) It was a great live experience. The Dynamite was a really great episode. You got Roosh and Moxley in a very good match. And then you had... Danielson and Garcia in an excellent match. So those two, they really filled the show. You had the Starks and you had the hook stuff, which was super fun. You had the, the big boy turn, um, powerhouse turn on, on, uh, whatever his name is. It's late in the show, but, um, dynamite's not the problem. Dark's not the problem. You know what you're getting into to go two hours early to watch a bunch of squash matches slowly pace. But, the in-between stuff drove me fucking nuts with Justin Roberts. I don't hate anyone. I don't know Justin Roberts, but I think I hate him, guys. Like, he's so corny. He makes the presentation of that product so lame and unlikable to casuals. He's cringy in a way. He's pointing to Section 105. Can I hear your excitement? And then Section 106, can I hear your excitement? How about one? How about 210? Guys, are you having a great time at Dynamite? He was just so corny. He made that product, that is a cool product, feel so lame. Audrey coming out. I can't stand Audrey, too. I I know. I feel like a hater. But, like, her coming out and being super corny. And then Tony Khan coming out and, like, I I don't think I'm a Patriots fan anymore after saying Belichick and him saying he's good friends with Belichick, but you can see Belichick manipulating that dweeb. No one talks to the Jaguars in the NFL. So I can see Belichick getting trade secrets and all the, like Tony would just willing to tell him anything he hears because someone says hi to him. He's a, he's a rich ignored boy that, wow, big, like look at him around the wrestlers. Big Belichick, Bill Belichick wants to talk to me. Oh my God, Bill, it's been an honor. You know, I can totally see him being a, a mark for when Belichick, trying to steal players or steal information from or whatever. So I don't know. It was a lot of the aspects was cringy to me, but the nail in the coffin of my hate for this show, besides the dynamite was 25 to 30 minutes of breaking dynamite down to get ready for rampage guys. And that's when Justin Roberts was ramping up at the most. It's so, it was, it was terrible. It, it ruined the experience. It ruined dynamite. It was a terrible dynamite. Like, ugh, or, Terrible rampage. It was just, it's just very, they need to get their shit together. It's been two years with the pandemic now. Like they need a better focus. They need to fill those 25 minutes better. It shouldn't take 25 minutes to switch a set. Figure it out, guys. You don't need to change the look for a show that gets 
30% of your viewership. It's about retaining the viewers, the live customers coming to your events and not like they need to figure it out. They just need a new direction and a few things. I, I, don't, I don't sound like a hater. I watch every week. I like the majority of the product, but the live experience compared to the WWE, which in AEW has usually has better in ring stuff. But compared to the live experience from a WWE show to an AEW show, the in-between stuff and the small stuff was not even comparable. It was super indie feel, and it felt so small. Rossi, am I going on and being crazy? You were there. No, and and I mean, I when I was this is my third Dynamite. Um, I didn't do all. F- yeah, I didn't do all four in Boston and, and Massachusetts now, but I did the second, which the first one which was the second Dynamite ever um, back in October 2019. Um, And then I did the one that was canceled like three times as the pandemic. That was October of 2021. Um, I didn't do the one in April of this year, but then I did this one. Um, I feel like the same issues they have now they had then. But I think back of that first show, they didn't they weren't doing Rampage yet. But they did Dynamite. They closed Dynamite right at 10. And then by 10.15, they were doing dark match, not even 10 15. It was probably 10 10. They were doing dark matches, which was main evented by Kenny Omega against Joey Janela, um, which was a, an awesome match. It was a, like a crazy like gimmick match. But um, there was nothing in that Rampage show. Like I felt like an idiot when I stayed till the end of it. Um, I didn't, we didn't know what the main event was live. They never told us it was Anna Jay and Ruby Riot. Um, I mean that I would have stayed for that regardless because it's Anna J. Um, but I, I felt like an idiot after watching that show because that show felt like main event. Like it felt like that should have been something taped from seven to eight. And honestly, what pisses me off more than anything about the live experience is, yeah, am I bummed out that I missed a, a dark match or two? No, but you advertise the show to the live crowd at 7 p.m. Right. And then you, I walk in the building at like 7.02 and I find out they're on their fourth match Yeah. of dark. Oh, no, so, and it's like, how bad did that, is that going to look on camera when nobody knew that you were running this early? So I'm like, so maybe they have a really cool main event that they want to give time to. No, they didn't. They had a six women's match that ended at 7.35. So then we had 25 minutes before dynamite with nothing going on. Mm-hmm. So, not only do they not know how to transition from the dynamite to rampage, but there's really no different look in the stage from dark to dynamite. You should be taping. I mean, go to a WWE taping. They literally don't even do their SmackDown dark match until quarter of eight. And they, they get any, everybody in and out in like 12 minutes. It's like seven fifty-seven, And before you know it, you're live and on SmackDown. Um, that's how you get a crowd engaged. You know, you, you by having a hot match that leads into that, not um, having Tony Khan coming out and yelling at you. Um, oh, so to it, some people, it excites them, I'm sure. Um, but to some people, it's like, what are we doing here? Like, this is 25 minutes. I can't go take a piss right now because everybody in the world's doing it. Um, the beer lines are through the roof because you gave us 25 minutes of time to do nothing. You're like, if I'm here in a dark match, I should be able to pick and choose when I go get a beer, because I don't care if I see Abaddon or I don't care if I see um, any other goofy gimmick that only wins matches on dark. They didn't give that to us on the show. And I mean, I felt cheated as a fan that I missed some of my beyond guys working that dark show because I was there when the show started, but I didn't see them. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Um, and I mean, it's just like, okay, so whatever, if they're going to give it back to us, that's fine. But then here's 25 minutes that, that we are sitting around doing nothing with our thumbs up or ask for a dynamite goes live. So overall they're, they're moving backwards in my opinion, in, in production, it wasn't this bad that last Boston show, which had also had Brian Danielson against Eddie Kingston on the rampage. So yep. how was it going to be bad? You know what I mean? So overall that I think they're moving backwards rampage. It feels like they don't even give a shit anymore. If that's the case, then why are you even doing it? Like, I'd rather you do it at 7 p.m. and care about it and, like, less people watch than do it at 10 p.m. when you've already thrown the towel in. But more important than that, if I'm the live viewer and I'm at that show, give me a reason to stay and be excited about staying. Don't give me a reason to leave early like probably 50% of that crowd did by the time that rampage ended. Mike, it wasn't even 10 o'clock. It was 10.35 when they kicked it off, and they were taking the break. When they were recording Rampage, it wasn't back-to-back. They were taking the breaks like they were scheduled. They were taping it for a full hour, and they would filibuster with Aubrey and freaking Phillips who've been, or Roberts who've been talking the last four hours about nothing. It's like, dude, play a fucking video package. Uh, Marcus, you got anything on this, or are you just – we just too crazy? <laughs> are you – or are you going to plead the – he's going to – Plead the fifth and just walk on out of here. <laughs> yeah, plead the fifth so I don't end up costing myself a, uh, a, a <laughs> any extra work and uh, move forward good. in the future. But I haven't been to an AW live show yet. Um, but um, yeah, I hope they get that sorted out because you know people are there and you want to keep them engaged the whole time. It's not week one, dude. It's week like hundred. Like it's not an excuse anymore. But anyways, I respect to that. All right, let's transition. Let's get out of here, Rossi. We just we recorded with Drew uh, a few days ago. That's gonna come out a, ra- a little after this. So why don't you hit on a little bit to preview that? What's going on GCW this weekend? Let's go home, guys. It's a little long. You know I'm a dreamer, but my heart's a gold. Yeah, so we'll talk about, since we talked about Beyond first, um, I'll, I'll run through that. You know, I think we did a really cool interview with uh, Drew Cordero, founder of um, Beyond Wrestling. Um, that will be out sometime next week as we preview American Rana. Um, I won't go nuts with it. You know, they're pretty much, they're going to be live from the White Eagle in Worcester on Sunday, August 21st, 7 p.m. start time. It'll be live on IWTV. That's the only way you can watch it because that puppy is sold out. Um, should be an electric crowd. We've been to a few there, Ryan. Um, there's not much better energy in this indie world than when that White Eagle's packed. And at 7 p.m., you're going to have a lot of lubed up folks in that crowd for sure. Um, and that's because a lot of them will be there at 2 p.m. for the wrestling open show that's called No Respect. Uh, tons of tickets are going to be available at the door for that. They're trying to break their attendance record, which I think is like 262 for that show. Um, so get out there early if you're going to American Rana. Um, that show is going to be like 2 to 4, 4.30. Um, and there'll be some cool surprises. Max Caster will be on that show for one, um, which that's not a surprise. He's a regular for Wrestling Open. Um, Ten bucks at the door. So if you're going to Rana, go to that. I mean, you'll have some time in between to grab some food, no problem. Um, the full Rana cards announced. Um, run through it real quick. Waves and Curls and Willow Nightingale will go in a trios match against the Righteous of Dutch, Vincent, and Vita Von Starr, um, the ROH team and stable. Um, Ryan Galeone and Rex Lawless, two... Uh, 
kind of indie lifers, uh, but two guys that are ready to take the next level. Um, so I'm really excited to see how that one goes. The fancy nerds of Thomas Santel. He wasn't able to get his buddy Nick Gage back, but he does have fancy Ryan Clancy. who was one of the standouts from Wrestling Open. They're in a tag match against the foundation from ROH of Rhett Titus and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams, who's another IWTV lifer. Um, then you got Swoggle against Sydney Bacabella, which that's a goofy match. Um, but you know, you, Beyond's known for some goofy, so that'll fit right in. Um, then we have Lefisto in a first-time match against Trish Adora. That's going to be a cool one. Those two really good workers. Um, Masha Slamovich, kind of in a little bit of a feud with uh, Alec Price. So he's re- she's wrestling Alec Price's girl here, Becca. Big opportunity for Becca to shine out here after she comes back from her first tour of Europe. Um, then we've got Ortiz of Proud and Poor Powerful Inner Circle fame in AEW. First singles match in American Rana history against... The Northeast Beast, Alec Price, um, and this is actually surprisingly his first run, even though everybody thinks he is the ace of Beyond Wrestling now. Um, cool cool stat here about Ortiz, which we will get into again when we talk about Drew. He becomes the first guy to be on all eight American Ranas on this show, so um, this will be cool to see him, and it's his first singles match because Santana is not around. Um, and then we've got Eddie Kingston against Slade, which is a cool get for Beyond. Kingston is a bonafide superstar at this point. And a dream match that, you know, came together late in the build to Rana. Yuta was supposed to team up with Tracy Williams in that Santel match, but now he is going one-on-one with the person that I drafted in our mystery draft earlier, Timothy Thatcher. So Thatcher, Yuta going down in Worcester in uh, seven days or so. Um, Now, GCW is back for homecoming this weekend which is basically generally their most newsworthy shows of the year. Um, for instance, last year, Nick Gage dropped the GCW title to Matt Cardona, which was probably the biggest hyped show in GCW history at the time. And then after that all went down, it set up the battle with Gage and 440 um, at the Art of War Games, which was the first War Games match in GCW history in Chicago the weekend of All Out last year. Um, there is two shows, uh, both at the showboat in Atlantic city in New Jersey. That's 7 PM Saturday and 4 PM Sunday. Both are available on fight TV. You can get them both, I think for 14 each or get them both together for 20 bucks. So if you're going to buy one, just buy them both, uh, JCW, um, which is Jersey championship wrestling. That's GCW's like sister or NXT. We'll say, um, they have a show late night Saturday, which is 1130 start after the first night of homecoming. That will have Maki Ito um, in the U.S. against Billy Starks. And uh, fun thing, as we just talked about beyond, um, Drew mentioned this in the interview that we did next week. um, From This is one of the craziest matches in Beyond history. It's getting run back here. Slade against Matthew Justice. Um, They tore it up down in New Jersey during the pandemic, so that'll be cool to see. Now, homecoming night one, Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Starboy Charlie battles Nick Wayne. That's the battle of teenagers, basically. I think it's 19 and 17, respectively. Uh, Charlie Evans is back in the U.S. Um, She is pretty much here working exclusively GCW right now. Um, She's facing Cole Radrick for the GCW Extreme Championship. Uh, John Wayne Murdoch will go one-on-one with Matt Tremont, and what I will assure you will be a bloody mess. Alex Colon will defend the GCW Ultraviolent Championship against Rina Yameshita. Um, Then... That'll be ugly, too. Uh, the Briscoes will battle the GCW Tag Champs, Los Mesisos of Miedo Extremo and Ciclope. That is a non-title match, but that should be fun. Um, and then 
Tony Deppen faces off with Blake Christian. That should be really good. Two pillars of that work rate GCW style, which I don't think we have as much of as we used to. Um, and then main event is Effie finally getting his GCW World Championship shot against Blackpool Combat Club's own John Moxley, who is also the interim AEW World Champion. So what do you guys think? Do, do we think we have a shot at Effie the throning Moxley here? Uh, if Tony Khan says anything, probably not. But I don't know. I like Effie. You know, you know me. I've always been an Effie believer, especially back in like 2018 when he was kind of on the rise up. There was always something into him. I saw a lot of charisma in him. You know, I always found him entertaining. Um, I don't. Know, I could be a surprise. Homecoming's the spot to do it. You would think, right? Yeah, I mean, I, it's so tough for me to think that Tony Khan would sign off on Moxley jobbing two and a half, three weeks before All Out. When, you know, whether Punk's back or not, who knows? He's going to obviously be in a world championship match regardless. Um, and also three days before he wrestles Chris Jericho for the title. Just doesn't seem like it's going to be a good spot here for Effie. Now, I could see Moxley maybe healing up a little bit on this rabid crowd that's probably going to be behind Effie at like probably a 70 to 30 clip. Um, maybe he heals up on them, does something to cheat the win, and then they run that back with a rematch in October the next time they're back in Atlantic City. And maybe then it'll be cool for Moxie to, to eat an L because they, they might not be hyping up as much AEW stuff in the background of that, but we'll see. Um, interesting to see, though, that is a match that I think a lot of people have been waiting for. Um, we'll see how it goes. And quite a different mesh of styles there, but Effie can get, get down and dirty when he has to. And then uh, Sunday... Um, homecoming night two, 4 p.m. Eastern. Maki Ito will be wrestling Dark Sheik. Speedball Mike Bailey faces off against Joe Lando, who I'm not too familiar with. Uh, Rina Yamashita goes up against Sawyer Wreck, which will be a all-female death match for sure. Uh, second gear crew of Matthew Justice, Mance Warner, and Manders will face off in trios action against the GCW All-Star team of Blake Christian, Jordan Oliver, and Nick Wayne. Bussy, um, fresh off the Effie match the night prior. We'll be battling Charlie Evans and Everett Connors, the the uh, adorable young couple um, that are tearing up the, the hearts of everybody on Instagram. And then uh, Los Macizos defend the GCW World Tag Team Championships against the team of mortal enemies. They're going back to this, John Wayne Murdoch and Alex Cologne. Those oh, two, I think, shoot fucking hate each other, but that'll be one that uh, you don't want to watch with the faint of heart. And um, what I think is probably the most pushed thing on this show is uh, not a match. It's uh, Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green renewing their wedding vows with the minister being Maven. Yes, Maven from Tough Enough. So you better get that'll that be, one, man. Yeah, that'll be cool to see. Um, so, again, Fight TV for that stuff. Um, and then things to look out for on these shows. So Nick Gage has been training a lot lately. Um, he's on the comeback possible horizon here. Um does he become the one who unseats Moxley? Does he make an appearance here to maybe challenge Moxley after he beats Effie? Um, we'll see if there's something in the horizon there. He's not advertised, so I tend to think he's going to be involved in the show in some capacity. Um, and then All Out Weekends in Chicago in three weeks, um, they're also are already advertising an Art of War Games match um, again. We don't seem to have any gang warfare going on in this GCW roster right now, so they need to figure out a way to get that started this weekend. Um, some options that I'm thinking, 
obviously second gear crew against the group that might attack them or something might be something that they can put together Sunday. Um, maybe something with Cardona and his crew coming out of the wedding angle. Cardona's back to wrestling at the end of August um, for NWA, and then he's doing the GCW UK tour in September, I think it is. So um, Cardona should be back ready to go by all that weekend, no problem. So maybe they do something with that, hence the reason for the wedding vow. I mean, obviously the wedding vows are going to kick off something, so that would be a good time for that. And the all other thing I'm thinking is John Wayne Murdoch versus Alex Cologne. They both have been at odds for years and doing crazy death matches. Um, they did a cage match a couple months back. Um, both have been at odds for about a year. Now they're in tag action. This stinks like it could lead to a split and then maybe uh, – gang deathmatch warfare from there maybe gage comes back and he's involved in war games against cardona they still meet on the bone with that um cardona beat him and then he went right into the feud with 440 continuing so he never really got his comeuppance with cardona so that would ultimately be my prediction that cardona and his band of misfits do battle with gage and his band of misfits in war games but we'll see what happens all right, cool. Well, that's our Indie Corner. Guys, check out the interview we're going to release with Drew in a few days. Unsure when, so check the feed out with that. It's a real good uh, catch-up on what's going on with Beyond, what's, uh, what Drew looks at with stuff, and his feeling on the card. So check that out. Marcus, do you have any podcasts or anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here? And again, Marcus, great job filling in for Rocco. I really appreciate it. You crushed it. You killed it. I appreciate you, as always. Well, thank you uh, for making the call to me. Thank you for letting me be on. And, uh, yeah, welcome back, Rocco. When you do come back, uh, you were definitely missed. Uh, as far as plugs for me, if uh, you can go ahead and give me a listen with JT right here on the North-South Connection. Uh, every other Saturday, we are dropping WWE War. We take a analytically inspired look at WWE pay-per-view season. So that is uh, the first pay-per-view right after WrestleMania going all the way to the next WrestleMania. We consider that one season. Uh, and so then we uh, stack and rank the shows and, and give them kind of arbitrary grades and, uh, you know, uh, have a little bit of, of method to our madness with, a, you know, analytical style approach to it. And then over on the soon-to-be-named network, myself and not the tool man, Tim Taylor, do a podcast called Final Wrestling Place, where we take the announced professional wrestling, and we give them arbitrary red points and green points, and we put them into either a good place or a bad place. Um, I'm trying to think, what season did we just wrap up? Uh, I think we just wrapped up, um, like, throwing together tag teams. Uh, this season, we were doing a uh, kind of an audited uh, five-star matches, uh, as viewed by Dave Meltzer. And me and Tim also do a podcast here on the North-South Connection, which is a viewer's choice, uh, unless I'm on the road making towns. Uh, but after every WWE Premium Live event or AEW pay-per-view, myself and Tim uh, will break it down pretty quickly for you after the show to let you know uh, what to watch and what to skip, uh, and also just in general our thoughts on the show and we try to keep those shorter uh between 30 and 45 minutes uh so it's a more digestible listen for you um but that's it for me now marcus we we got tomorrow saturday we got a new season of war starting can you drop the news what season we're getting um i will let you know that this season is going to be 1980 Uh, did 86 already come out 
Yeah, man, 86 okay, just 80, came out. 86 already came out. I don't go back and listen to my own stuff. So the new season is starting. Uh, we are jumping into this millennium, and it is going to be the 2004 into 2005 season. So Backlash 04 all the way up to WrestleMania 21. That's a That's fun it. season. Yeah, it, it's been a blast so far, and uh, I hope I hope it's enjoyable for all the listeners. Cool. All right, Rossi. Rossi was on the uh, Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast with Jake Williams, his last episode. So if you haven't checked that out, check that out. That was a good time. Rossi, thank you as always. Anything before we get out of here? No, um, just uh, gear up for that interview with Drew next week. I think that was... Uh some cool stuff um drew cordero from beyond spent a couple hours with me and ryan and um i think that if you're an indie wrestling fan or if you're just a wrestling fan there's a lot of cool insights um that go into how you put a show together and you know what obstacles come in your way and you know what you have how you kind of have to have forward thinking and things of that nature so i think it's a cool listen even if you don't watch the current indie product that he is a part of um, but I just think it's a cool thing for a wrestling fan to see some of the scene here, some of the things Drew, Drew hit us with. So check that out next week, and, uh, yeah, I, I, we will see you guys in a couple weeks. All right, guys. Thanks again. Check you next time. My heart's like an open door.